some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is... If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth, and they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? Ladies and gentlemen... Dan and Aldo. Thank you. Dan, why are you here? I'm here, sir. Oh, I'm here. I'm having a good old time. Eddie Zimmerman is in the back. He's feeling a big emotional today and so am i i'm feeling a bit wistful oh yeah heidi loves akeem hicks yeah man don't you yeah but i think heidi loves akeem hicks you know what i'm saying like (laughs) she would have his child like some in vitro (laughs) kind of shit not that heidi's old because she's certainly not she's a beautiful woman but i think she would take hormones to have his child that's how much she loves him I hear you, man, and uh, I, I've actually been cutting a bunch of video of Akeem because I was wanted to do a tribute video. I'm having trouble downloading it, so hopefully I can during the course of the show to share it with everybody. But as I'm watching uh, this tape of Akeem, it just reminded me of what a force he was. And, and Jordan in uh, on the Twitter, uh, one of my posts, talked about how he was a bit wistful, too, and... and uh, and a renewable and rechargeable review says Hicks is ring chasing and right. What, what, who would blame him? Right. I mean, yeah, he, really he was born that. in like 88, right? Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I, yes. you know, he's 34 now, I guess. Is he that old? Oh my goodness. Huh? 33, 34. I'm pretty sure he was born in 88. So okay. I don't fault him for signing with Tampa. I'm glad he didn't go to green Bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That, I mean, that would have really, not only broken my heart, but maybe pissed off because I, I got over the Adrian Amos thing uh, pretty quickly. I, I, I was upset that the Bears allowed that to happen because I really wanted Adrian uh, 
to team up with Eddie Jackson for the next five, seven years. Uh, but that didn't happen. With with Akeem, I know that he's on the downside of his playing career. He may never play as well as he did in those prime years with the Chicago Bears where he was averaging eight, nine sacks a season. And but But those numbers don't tell the entire truth of the impact that he had on the Bears' defense. Uh, and so I don't think he'll play at that level for Tampa Bay, uh, but uh, he should play at a high level and maybe get his ring. So we'll see. Well, I hope he doesn't. I hate to, you know, to be the, the asshole that says that, but A, I don't want Tom Brady to win another ring, and B, uh, I want the Bears to win the ring. So, yeah. And I know everyone says, ah, the Bears have no shot. Well, you know what? It's fucking June. It's actually still May for another few hours. So, yes, I can dream about the Bears winning the Super Bowl. And I refuse to quit that dream until the season manifests and tells me otherwise. Until proven otherwise. Right. <laughs> How many games will it take for them to lose before you uh, before you say, okay, it's not going to happen this year? <laughs> well, you, you never know. It's like, like last year I've said so many times it felt like just for Fields to complete a pass was just so difficult mm -hmm. at times because of that bullshit offense. So if it passes the eye test, even if the schedule – or I'm sorry, not the schedule. The record isn't going the way it is. You think, well, maybe we could get hot. Mm -hmm. But if it is like a shit show like last year, you know pretty early, even if you're rooting for like some something else to happen, as I was and you were, uh, you know, but you know, I, I guess. So there's no short answer for it. It just depends how the season starts to play out. Is the team meshing? You know, mm -hmm. is, is it difficult to score? Is it difficult to stop people? Because mm -hmm. your record could be, two and oh but you know better mm -hmm. you know that we've seen that a few times where they started out early but you know that they're like you said you're going to be shitty uh the rest of the week worrying about what went wrong despite the victory you say that in the opening essentially so it, it, there's no way to answer that until until september october november you know dan the picture i used uh, of you uh for the video feed of our show uh King Pookie Nation says that you look like Edward Scissorhands. And you know what? I have to kind of agree without the makeup, without the white uh, uh, pancake makeup that Johnny Depp wore, but your hair and your face uh, looks like you could play Edward Scissorhands. That's a compliment for me because Johnny Depp's <laughs> a much better looking guy than I am. Uh, I will say that I think I sent it to you too. My, I recently linked back up with my cousin, which I know in some regards is a dangerous proposition because he'd become hooked on drugs yeah, and, yeah. and it's stolen from me and such. But he is my fucking family, so right or wrong, I've I've tried to, you know, to be back around him and stuff. And he sent me a picture from '99 the other day. I have no, I I don't remember it at all, but I look like John Cusack in yeah, it. Yeah, you sent it to me, and I'm showing it to our uh, followers right now. You're wearing the shades. You got a short haircut. Those were my glasses, by the way. They were prescription. Okay, you do look really cool. It looks like you're taking a shit. And you're looking really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Were you taking a shit? <laughs> I don't. I, I think that's a little Caesars logo on the wall. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, if you look to the right, I believe that's what that says. Because other than that, I can't. I don't know how old this. Obviously, the photo. I know how old it was. I don't. It, obviously, it appears to be in terrible condition. So I couldn't tell what kind of shirt I was wearing. And uh, it looks like little Caesars, though. I don't know why I would have a picture of uh, taken of me in Little Caesars, but whatever. <laughs> that 
that is funny. Oh man. But yeah, but getting back to Akeem Hicks, do you think he's worth $10 million a year? Because that's the reported deal that he signed with the Bucks. Uh, it's hard for me to answer this, but if I'm taking all emotions mm -hmm. and all my fandom out of the question, probably not. But if you tell me to attach like what I think about him and uh, like listening to him talk and the years of service with the bears, and then, then I'm going to say, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring him back for that. Why don't the bears offer him that? Mm -hmm. But if you're just talking from a business sense, there's no family, there's no emotion, there's just you cut or or you don't, then I, I, I don't think I could pay him that. I'm being told by Jordan and J-Rock in the chat that it's a deal that goes up to $10 million with incentives. Uh, thanks, everyone. That, uh, yeah, that, that's conference. fair then. Yeah. I, it's like if he pay, plays a certain amount of games, makes a certain amount of attack, yes, then right. that's a good deal. I agree, uh, but I, uh, I don't think that's – money that should have been paid by the bears to uh for akeem hicks this is about finding young talent even if it is at the expense of having a dominant figure in the middle like akeem hicks and somebody who is for the most part uh, generally a very positive locker room presence you know and i love akeem hicks but there were a few times where he said or did things that were you know not in, in, in my coaching playbook, not kosher. For instance, you know, throwing his helmet. He did that in a game, uh, getting uh, some dumb penalties. You recall those, Dan? Your, your memory is much better than mine. I can remember penalties. I don't remember a specific sequence where he threw the helmet. Yeah. So, I, going back to the opening, I guess I blacked that out. Mm -hmm. you, you blocked out what? The Oh, the bad stuff by Hicks? Yeah, that where it came through the helmet. Yeah. I, I don't recall that. I honestly don't. Yeah, I want to say it was at a game that I was at. Um, I'm sure it happened. I yeah. just don't remember. But, uh, you know, regardless of that, the guy is a football player. He's a man. He is, uh, you know. Some... Not a fan of Tom Waddle. He's not a fan of Tom <laughs> no, Waddle. he's not. <laughs> he is not at all. So, um well, uh, you know, I, I just, he to me in this video that I was cutting, oh, look at this. It's fucking downloading. So I can play it in, a, in about uh, five minutes or so. To me, he, it, he epitomizes Chicago Bears defensive lineman. That mean streak, you know, the guy was a scary dude. You know, when he's been mic'd up and you've been able to hear the stuff that he says in the trenches and how fired up he reminds me of the 85 Bears, Singletary. We're going to party here. And all of those, uh, you know, scary things that football players say, he epitomized that to, to the nth degree. I really, really think that the Bears uh, – should do something special for him. Maybe not this upcoming season, but may, perhaps when he announces his uh, retirement, uh, perhaps, you know, maybe at the new stadium, they'll have a ring of honor. Hicks definitely deserves to be on a ring of honor. Um, or I don't know what, but they definitely need to at least give the poor guy a bobblehead. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> do you feel the same way? Do you think that something special should be done for him? Yeah, uh, he was a good player for a long time. I think he joined us in 16. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Nine, uh, 2016, yes. So that's 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. So he gave you six seasons. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, only one of them was actually a playoff season, but it's not a mark against his play or his effort. Right. 
the defense was really good in 2017, for example. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Akeem was a very good player for a long time for the franchise. I hate to see him go. And I wouldn't be bothered by him being in a quote-unquote ring of honor type uh, type deal either. Yeah, the, the one of the things that I noticed in that first season, the 2018 season, when I went out to Bourbonnet, I thought he looked heavier than he did in 16 and 17. I was worried about that. He did fortunately play at a very high level, and the weight didn't uh, uh, impede his play or impact his play at all. But I do believe that by the time 2019 happened and the injury started to mount, uh, the loss of playing time started to mount, I think that it may have had something to do with his weight. What what do you think about that? Well, not wanting to fat shame anybody because of my own situation. But <laughs> I'm not saying he was fat. I'm just saying. Right. Well, uh, but for a football player, even if he is down low up front in your defensive line, he did appear to be a bit heavy. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, who am I to call someone fat or, or too heavy? <laughs> I'm just saying Akeem did sort of look like that's one of the things. They could have told him to drop 15 easily, I think. Yeah. You, you can be such a nice guy sometimes, uh, Dan. I mean, I feel like a hypocrite if I sit here and, and <laughs> say, boy, Akeem, you should drop 15 pounds. We're looking the fucking mirror, Dan, you know? <laughs> You're not a professional football player. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't want to yell this at, at Akeem Hicks, you know? <laughs> uh, but I think maybe, <laughs> I don't know if it's fair to say that his weight contributes to his injuries, uh-huh. but I think it is a fair assessment to surmise that maybe the weight was a detriment to his ability as he got older. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, maybe sure. his ability to st- either stay healthy or to make impactful plays were that was probably hindered by the fact that he was a, a tinge bit heavy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm sad. Uh, I'm like with Heidi and a number of other people in the chat. I feel sad that this is official. You know, I never really had any hope that he was going to be re-signed by this new regime and I don't blame them at all. But man, I would love, like I said earlier, if he could retire as a Chicago bear, he probably, he has no shot of making the hall of fame. Um, but uh, he should make the Chicago Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, Fucker was great, man. Let me uh, let me play this video. It's about four minutes long. It's a tribute to Akeem Hicks. And what I wanted to do was splice together all of the sacks that he's had. I think he's had like 39 sacks in his career with the Chicago Bears. Somebody correct me if uh, in the chat if I'm wrong with that number. Uh, but I ran out of time, so I was able to compile all of his sacks from his first two seasons as a Chicago Bear and included the, a soundbite from his final press conference with the Chicago Bears. So um, I'm dedicating this video uh, to you and Heidi. Uh, Dan. Is, is that the final press conference where he said, fuck you, Matt Nagy? Oh, we never got that one. That's right. <laughs> we know he was thinking it. Yes. You know what? That, that's a great point, Dan, because I think when he has his first press conference uh, and if there's Chicago media there, they're going to ask him about that. And he said at that press conference, I'm going to withhold my words until, until the season's t- over. Yeah. And so he's going to have his first press conference. And I, in fact, what I hope is that some enterprising reporter, uh, Jason Leisure or Patrick Finley or um, somebody nabs this interview with Hakeem. And so that way 
You get him nice and comfortable, and he's going to tell us secrets about what an imbecile Matt Nagy was. I mean, one of the things that he did, he missed that last game, didn't even make the trip to Minnesota, and he just was on Twitter hitting like on every uh, – negative comment about the Chicago Bears. So he, he already started via social media letting people know what he thought about Matt Nagy and, uh, and portions of the Bears organization. But he also loved the Chicago Bears. He loved Chicago. And his Bears. mom's a Bears fan. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. That's, That's why right. he said he was so happy to come here because his mom was like pressuring him. Yeah. Go to the fucking Bears. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I'll play this video uh, and, and just say the caveat is that it's only halfway done. I'm going to find time to put together some other brilliant plays by Akeem Hicks uh, and, and uh, tag him on it on social media. And hopefully he'll look at it and, and get as wistful as I am uh, having uh, done this. So here it goes. This is uh, a tribute to Akeem Hicks. Second down at nine. Stafford in trouble. Down he goes. Back at the 22-yard line, Akeem Hicks with his first sack of the season. And this is just four down, so this is a good sign for the Bears' pressure when you can get there with just the four. See if Akeem comes from the inside there. Just driving that, pushing that pile, working against two different guys. Good, relentless bull rush. Back to Matthew Stafford. Hicks, the former to one on St. Louis Patriot. Empty backfield. They use it very little in Minnesota. Bradford is sacked back at the 13-yard line by Akeem Hicks. The Monsters are out tonight in Chicago. We challenged them in the pregame. They have got to get after the Vikings offensive line to have a chance. And you're going to see Akeem Hicks, who at times looks like a great defensive lineman. They played very well tonight. Man rush, Floyd, and help comes to Floyd for a sack for Akeem Hicks. Still five and five. Under pressure, a penalty flag is thrown. Multiple flags come in. They'll sack Stafford for a huge loss. Well, away on this first half. We're tied at three. Blitz. Ryan stands in. Ryan goes down. Hicks didn't miss that time, Charles. Five-man rush. Ryan in trouble, and Ryan goes down. Akeem Hicks started the party. Going on. Four-man rush, and Bradford could not get away. Akeem Hicks didn't get much of him, but got enough to get him down. Arizona trying to take the lead of the two-minute warning, down two to nothing. Bradford in trouble, and he goes down. The pocket got pushed backwards by Akeem Hicks. On the goal line. The other side is doing a good job as well. Second and 13. Flacco is sacked. Eddie Goldman. Akeem Hicks, it was Hicks who got there first. Ten for the Panthers. Protection holds up initially. Newton dumped again. 
Third and ten. Drew Brees gets sacked by Akeem Hicks. Excellent pass rush from the interior lineman, Akeem Hicks. That can make the Lions a consistent contender. Second and nine, Stafford's going to go down here as he's brought down by Akeem Hicks. The one guy who can destroy a football game up there for the Bears in terms of those who are healthy enough to play here. If I do end up leaving, I'll miss it here. I truly love my time. So sad, so sad, because I do anything for him. But that's the way it goes. Do you feel like you put yourself into that lexicon of conversation in terms of, you know, great bear defenders and the tradition of defense here in Chicago? I wonder. I wonder. Um, I'll say this. Whenever I talk to the guys that came before me, um, just for them to say that they appreciate my game is enough for me. Because that's what you're looking to impress. They played it. They lived it, you know. Um, Talking to those guys, Tommy Harris, Dan Hampton, you know, it, it's exciting for them to even watch me play, you know, so I'm happy. You see why I am uh, a bit emotional um, after having worked the last several hours on this video. I, I mean, I, I'm missing him already. I want to give him a big hug. I want to give him a Heidi hug. <laughs> it, it's worth po pointing out that he mentioned Dan Hampton at the end. I've told you this before, but uh Ed and, and Dan both said, even during 2018, that the only – this was their opinion. I'm not just saying this. And they both agreed with each other mm -hmm. uh, that the only reason Khalil Mack was having success was because of Akeem up front. They said that uh, Akeem was the best player on the team that season, even more so than Mack, and Mack fed off of him. Yeah. And you could argue that when Akeem sort of started getting banged up the next season – Mac without him was, could never do anything mm -hmm. in comparison with 18. I mean, um, thank you for the compliments in the chat uh, regarding the video. You know, I, I, what bugs me about being a Bears fan really in, 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 in with a lot of the Chicago teams that we've had so many great players who have never tasted championships. And now Akeem Hicks is the latest player to put on that list. You know, I started as a kid following Chicago sports and when I started, Ernie Banks was in his like 13th season with the Cubs. And it was, there was no way he was ever going to win a World Series with the Cubs. And that was the first of so many superstars with the Bears. And thankfully, Walter got his, although that had a huge blemish on it because he was so unhappy immediately after the game, you know. And what did you think about that, Dan, when uh, Peyton was – so upset that uh, that he didn't get to score a touchdown that it ruined that moment for him that he finally got his ring. If you do, if you dive deeper into that, there's some people that said that he was kind of I don't want to say jealous because um, a I don't want to besmirch Walter fucking Peyton, and, and two he's not here to defend himself. So I'm not gonna badmouth Walter, but there were some people that thought because he was the franchise for so long. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the franchise, the face of the franchise, and then suddenly you've got the defense, you've got the the fat rookie, you know, you've got Jim McMahon, and, and there are all these other people that are somewhat overshadowing him in a pop culture kind of way, mm -hmm. frivolously, mm -hmm. that, that he felt a little bit conflicted about that, I guess is the best way I could say it, that he was a little bit pissed off about that like really like you know I, i'm still here mm -hmm. who cares if this 
fucking fat rookie caught a touchdown or whatever right. against the Packers. And I'm not trying to besmirch Fridge. I'm just telling you that's yeah. the way some people have put words in Walter's mouth. Uh, yeah. So with regards to the touchdown, so much of me says, like, dude, you won the Super Bowl. You, you were on some really horrible teams. Be happy. But there was McMahon after the game saying, you know, we should have got him the ball. You know, I feel horrible about this. You know, like it meant something to him. We should have got him in there. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen uh, Jim change the play call instead of giving it to the fridge for that touchdown, give it to Walter, and, uh, and then to see Mike Ditka's reaction. You know, that was – I have a long list of things that I disagreed with Mike Ditka about, and, and one of the things that he was an egomaniac, man, and he wanted to create the sensation that was William Perry. He wanted to do it – for number one, to stick it up Buddy Ryan's ass because he really wanted William Perry drafted and uh, Buddy Ryan wouldn't give him a fair shake for the first half of the season, wouldn't put him in the games and so forth. So that was part of the reason Ditka used him on offense. And then when Perry had that success, Ditka continued to ride that because it made him look like the genius. And, and Ditko would always make fun of Bill Walsh, the genius. Well, Bill Walsh really was a genius in terms of offensive football, offensive concepts, and so forth. Ditka was a motivator. He was a rah-rah coach. He would instill fear in players. But after a while, that gets old, especially when you're having success. And so the Bears players, I think towards the end, you know, most of the roster was like, I'm on team Buddy Ryan. Even members of the offense were on team Buddy Ryan. And uh, and and so Ditka kind of destroyed that opportunity for, for Walter to have his moment, his well, well-deserved moment, because he was so interested in giving William Perry his touchdown. And there are reports that he went into the game thinking, I'm going to get Perry a receiving and a rushing touchdown. And it's like, why the fuck you want to do that, man? Well, you should be thinking first and foremost about Walter. And now in some subsequent interviews uh, uh, and after the passing of Walter, I think the timing is – uh, Ditka has said that he regretted that. That's big, the biggest regret of his career. So I, I believe it too. I don't I think he's, he's just saying that. I hope he's sincere about that. I do believe that. I mean, he was saying that in the nineties mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and, but I just want to interject too, please. Cause I called William the fat rookie and, and things like that. And we're kind of downplaying the fact that the 85 bears are still being talked about today has a lot to do with William Perry. Oh yeah. And he does like, I mean, I know that, the rest of his career, he battled weight issues and he wasn't scoring touchdowns anymore and things like that. But uh, be that as it may for that one, I mean, he was okay the rest of the way. It's not like he was terrible, but for that one season, he had a lot to do with the, the nation catching fire with that and being so pop culture and mm -hmm. so remembered. Like he had a, he had a lot to do with that. Yeah. I, I mean, we can't honestly intellectually downplay that. We probably don't give him enough credit. Maybe it's for frivolous reasons. But having said that, he was part of what made that team so fun outside of Chicago on a national level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and on a global level. Um, I mean, you talk to a lot of the people from across the pond. Uh, I don't think Chris Watts is with us uh, tonight. I haven't seen any mentions from him in our, our uh, chat, but uh, – 
you know, I've I've talked to other people uh, from across the pond, and they will talk about William Perry in, in, in like reverential tones. Uh, and I know that that the bear that that uh, era of the bears, the '85 bears, really helped make the game uh, more palatable to global audiences. And um, you know, the 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 NFL could use another team like the Chicago Bears, who had Beatles and Elvis Presley type of a popularity uh, and, and adoration from fans. So maybe it, it'll happen under Ryan Poles. Let's let's hope. Any other Bears that you can think of besides Akeem Hicks that you would have loved to have uh, celebrated a Super Bowl? I got one more name for you, uh, Kyle Long. Uh, you know, I always felt really bad for Kyle Long. <laughs> he played on some terrible teams, and his brother was on two Super Bowl championship teams, and Kyle would tweet out, you know, I can't wait for my time to come and stuff, and clearly it's not going to happen. Uh, even if he somehow returns to the Kansas City Chiefs, I just think his body has, has given up on him. Um, do you have any other names that you would – and I'll ask people in the chat too. Any other names that you uh, – oh, Jordan immediately comes up with a good one. Thomas Jones, the running back. Absolutely, Jordan. Absolutely. Thomas Jones had a heroic game against the Colts in that Super Bowl, the lovey Super Bowl game. Um, and unfortunately, you know, it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't meant to be any. And can you think of any, uh, Dan? If I'm rewriting a script, mm -hmm. then Mike Brown's not hurt in mm. Super Bowl 41 and is playing and is helping us win a Super Bowl. Mm. The guy gave us everything he fucking had. We mentioned him a few weeks ago. I love mm -hmm. Mike Brown. And I know a lot of people don't like Cutler, but I'll put Jay on that list because I was such a big fan of his arm. And and I really was I loved the trade, as I've told everyone before. So I really wanted Jay, like that 2010 team, mm -hmm. somehow to win it all mm -hmm. and to beat Green Bay along the way. Like, I, I could have been done. If the Bears would have won in 2010 and beat the Packers and go to the Super Bowl and beat Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. like, I would – they could go three and 13 the rest of my life and I would still be smiling. Mm -hmm. Like, I really believe that to be true. Yeah. I, I'm with you on that. I'm with you. So I was cutting these highlights, uh, you know, uh, zipping through plays or a couple of plays that I just stopped to pause that weren't Akeem Hicks related. And, and some of those were Jay Cutler. And I, I remember thinking to myself during that era, how badly I wanted Jay Cutler to win a Super Bowl for the Bears just so that all of the people who just said negative things, I'm the type of guy that if you say something negative about the Chicago Bears, even if it's true, I get really upset with you. <laughs> you know, these are my kids. This is my Chicago Bears. I'm the only one that can spank them. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so Jay was was one of those guys that now, now I hate, I, I'm back to hating Jay Cutler just like, uh, prior to him being a bear, I'm, I'm back to just feeling like he's an asshole. You know, he's got. I, I disagree. I, uh, I don't care about his politics. We don't agree politically. It's, it's more than I, politics. It's he's just, fun he's, to listen to, though. He's got charisma. Like, I'm surprised he never got a network deal to go back and announce games again. Because he's a, he's an asshole. NBC just fired Drew Brees because he was dull. Yes. Uh, uh, Good Jay not dull. And actually, I meant to. I was thinking of this when I was listening to your Akeem Hicks. Uh, highlights there. I always thought Moose Johnston was even better than Aikman. I would agree with that. I don't know why Moose never really got a push there. It's like he got to do a few playoff games early on, and then they're like, "Ah, oh, you and Kenny Albert and and Goose uh, can go to like the the fifth game." Mm -hmm. I thought that was a good trio together. I thought. <laughs>
<laughs> you know, I, I was, uh, I think it was Jordan on Twitter. He and I were comparing broadcasts, uh, uh, you know, our favorite broadcast broadcast crews. And, you know, I just, th- there is a, a, a lack of really talented broadcast groups outside of a, a, a two or three. W- would you agree with that? Who, who are the up and coming TV analysts, color men, guys that you, th- you think, you know, could end up being worthy of calling a Super Bowl? I think Fox could have given that job to Gus Johnson. Yeah. Uh, He's promising. Again, there, there's only been one uh, African-American, and that's Greg Gumbel, to announce a Super Bowl. Oh, I, and Gus does their college football. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know why they wouldn't have thought about to make him number one or two. Maybe they will. Uh, that I can't think of his name now. Kevin something is going to move up and take Buck's spot. Maybe they'll make Gus the second guy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know about an, uh, up-and-coming announcers, but... You're right. It just felt like 20, 30 years ago that everyone was stacked, mm-hmm. even with non-players, like just broadcasters that everyone like was deep on the bench, you know, and now it's like the third team or something is awful. Mm-hmm. Like their first two teams are good. Then then you're like, oh, I came to leave. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, there was the former president of ESPN uh, was quoted in an interview that ESPN way overpaid for Tom Brady that it didn't make financial sense that there's no way that he can bring back to the organization, the type of money that they're shelling out. And I, I I was saying that since day one, I am not going to watch a, um, a, a game on television just because it's being called by Tom Brady. When Tony Romo first came in, people were like, Man, Romo's doing a great job and so forth. I didn't I didn't go out of my way to watch a Romo announced game. I want to watch the games and teams that I want to watch. I don't give a shit who's calling them. Yes, I, I will compliment the good announcers, and I think Tony Romo is one of them. Uh, and I will disparage the ones who are not good, and there are a lot of them. But do you think that Tom Brady is worth what was it, $385 million? I think Fox just wanted to have somebody electric in there, a, a name, and and Fox. they hit a home run in that regard. I would say Brady will definitely be there after this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm Fox, then you know, maybe they can afford it. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Like to me, in my lifetime, probably just Madden and Summerall mm-hmm. would be like, okay, who, what, what game are they doing today? Even if it was a matchup you didn't like. You'd watch it for Madden and Summerall. You know, there, there's maybe Monday Night Football at one time. Yeah. I mean, I go back to the days of Howard Cosell, and I was a big Howard Cosell fan when he, you know, the very first season, Keith Jackson went on to college football broadcasting fame. He did the first season before they moved Frank Gifford into the play-by-play role. And that crew of Gifford, Cosell, and Dandy Don Meredith was special because they transcended sports play-by-play. They were just entertaining on their own. But we don't have a crew like that anymore. By the way, I want to interrupt uh, what we're talking about right now because, excuse me, PJ has come up with a really good list of guys that he'd love to have seen uh, win a Super Bowl. Tommy Harris, Mike Brown, Erlacher. I know you're not a big Erlacher fan. Tillman, Briggs, Thomas Jones, Olin Kutz, Matt Forte, Absolutely, Matt Forte. And, of course, two of my favorite Bears of all time, Dick Buckus and Gail Sayers. That is a great I, I have another list. name for you. Please do. 
because he missed the 85 Super Bowl, mm-hmm. I would love to have seen an 88 because I wanted us to go so badly and we lost to San Francisco. But uh, I would have loved to have seen Al Harris get a ring considering he missed. Yeah. Obviously, Todd Bell, too. Mm-hmm. But um, like Al was at least on the team that was making a huge contribution in 88 when they went to the championship game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh that those are two great names. Todd Bell, I don't know what the hell happened. Whoever his agent was, I, I'd love – that would be a good 30 for 30. The whole uh, 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 reason that those two guys held out on that Super Bowl year. They had well, Especially to know, when you've got Wilbur Marshall and Dave Dewerson on your heels. Yeah. They had to know that was going to be a Super Bowl year. I mean, after the Bears lost to the 49ers the previous season – I just knew it in my gut that the next year the Bears were going to go to the Super Bowl. And it was remarkable how cool, calm, and collected Mike Ditka was after that loss because he knew it too. He knew it too. He didn't He didn't say the famous uh, Bum Phillips line, you know, we knocked on the door next year we're, we'll tear it down. But he was saying that in a very almost corporate manner in the interviews that I saw of him back in uh, 84. So um, – yeah, I would have. It, it, I would love to see a document or even a, a well-written article on those two guys. Why they chose to to hold out, and did they have any regrets at any point in the season? Like after the Bears beat the Dallas Cowboys, what was it, forty-two to nothing? And forty-four and, to nothing. Forty-four to nothing. That was the game where everybody said, "Okay, this team is like unbelievably special." At that moment, were they saying, were they calling their agents up and saying, "Hey, get me back on this fucking team. I don't care how much." Yeah. Just think about a, uh, just off the top of my head, team players that called it quits after '84: Jim Osborne, uh, Bash Nagel, oh yeah, Terry Schmidt. My, uh, hey, Mike North favorite, good old number 44. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I'm just saying there's a lot of these players. Uh, uh, Bob Avellini, mm-hmm. who was cut in the middle of 84, but still a lot of guys that were on that team when they were bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, late 70s, early 80s. Alan Page is another one I wish that could have hung around, even if he was just on the bench. Yeah. Just I, to get that guy a ring, considering all he went through with the Vikings. Absolutely. Good point. Uh, back to the broadcasting side of things, uh, Tony Moy brings up uh, Greg Olson. And Greg Olson is really getting good at the mic, as Tony says. And I think he has the potential to be one of those superstar broadcasters. He's young. He's got a lot of years ahead. He's a good-looking guy. He's a good-looking guy. Uh, yeah, he's he's somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, Leo the Factor says that he likes Lewis Riddick, too. You know what? That would be kind of a, a great crew. I would love to see a Riddick and Olsen and a really good play-by-play guy do you know some type of prime time game. I should be a fucking TV executive. See, <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing, but because they have a great relationship, mm-hmm. put Cutler and Olsen with a good play-by-play guy mm-hmm. and make it a three-way team. Yep. Uh, switching back to the other subject, Laz brings up Duck Plank as a guy who uh, – Right, yeah. Of course, man. That's an obvious one, Laz. Thanks for bringing that up. I didn't think of that. It, it, the, here's the guy that the 46 defense was named out. He inspired Buddy Ryan in some some ways, you know, at the very least to name it after him because they had they brought in that strong safety position to basically play a linebacker position. And the poor guy didn't never got his opportunity to uh 
to wear a ring. And uh, I don't, I'm not sure the Bears have ever done anything special for Duck Plank. When we had him on here, thanks to uh, Greg Braggs, uh, Braggs booked him on a barroom show. And he talked about, you know, that the Bears were just not very good at, 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 at dealing with the veterans who had left the team, never gave them job opportunities, you know, uh, sometimes didn't call them for special commemorative events and stuff. They called everybody for the 100th anniversary, although there were a couple of bears for the 100th anniversary who complained that they weren't called back. In, and one of them Thomas was Jones. Thomas Jones. That's right. Uh, no lobby. Bears. Why do I love the bears so much? They're, 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 they're like a uh, hot chick who won't return your calls. <laughs> I'd say another name of somebody that was on really good bears teams, but never good enough to get over the hump, but it's after 85. And I thought, if he'd have played his whole career here, I think we would have beloved him, but he kind of bounced around a little bit toward the end. Was Mark Carrier the safety? Yeah, ten hard hitting motherfucker. In Got a lot season. of interceptions. Ten in his rookie season, Dan. Isn't and that amazing? He'd knock your fucking head off too. Yep. Uh, Jeremy says that he wants you on the play-by-play, uh, draft Dr. Phil and Eric Kramer on color commentary, and Bragg's on the sideline. That's a good. That's a good crew there, Jeremy. I I uh, like that. Eric's crew. way better than me, and. And this isn't a slight at Phil. I just don't know if three of us – I mean, Phil would be better on a two-man is what I'm saying. I don't know if Phil, Phil could do the Phil can go on a little bit. Yeah, it's like uh, he'll still be talking about the, the, the opening play of the game in the third quarter. But uh, but I don't know. I, that, that would be interesting. Um, and, Bryce, and please, again, I want to say that I have the utmost admiration for Phil. So oh, yeah, we all do. I don't want this to be construed as me bashing Phil. We're not bashing Phil. Um, all right. Uh what did I want to say about – oh. How about Anthony Thomas? There's another Bear. The A-Train. Uh, how many good seasons did he have? Three with the Bears? I thought, man, he was better. Like, 01, you know, he's NFC Rookie of the Year. 02, he almost got 1,000 yards, but he missed the last four games, I think. Mm-hmm. But he still had, like, 900 yards and missed the last four. 03, the team was bad, and he still got over 1,000. And then in 04, he, uh, they signed Thomas Jones, so he didn't really get to run that much. Yeah. Uh, Bearman reminds us of Doug Buffon, another bear who never got a ring. Yeah. Or Tom Waddle. Or Tom Waddle. But Doug, Doug, you know, I saw play so many uh, games during his the course of his career. I don't think Dick Butkus would have been the Dick Butkus, not to the degree that he was, if it wasn't for Doug, who did a lot of the dirty work and allowed uh, Butkus to just roam around and and create spectacular plays, whether it was interception, intercepting balls, uh, free pathways to quarterbacks and 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 running backs to, to knock the snot out of them. Uh, Doug Buffon was a special guy and one of those guys who loved the organization despite the fact that he knew. What you and I know that the organization has a lot of fucking problems. <laughs> well, before you segue, can uh, let me say two things, please. Please. A, Gale Sayers, uh, definitely, other than Butkus, are probably the two that deserve it more than anybody with the organization. Just give them a playoff game, for fuck's sake. Uh, just give them a meaningful game during their regime. It's just a sin that, that the Bears uh, were so shitty with – the best player in offense of the league and the best player in defense in the league together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just can't fathom that only the bears could fuck that up. Only the bears <laughs> could take the 85 bears and only get one out of it. Uh, the, what was the other thing I was going to say, but it was to do with um, shit, the players that 
I don't want to lose my thought because we'll we'll segue off of it and then that'll be that. But Whoa. maybe I already. Oh, I know what I was going to say. And this is again, I feel like everyone should know that I love Walter Payton. That I cried when Walter Payton died. Mm -hmm. I felt terrible seeing. You. Remember that press conference that he gave when he told the world that he was sick. Yeah. The one where Gian Greco made the joke about him because he didn't know he was sick. Right. Like just seeing that, I'm like, oh man, Walter's gonna die. You know, it's just it's horrible. You know, like so. But I wanted to point out, and, and it's almost sacrilege, but if you go back, Walter fumbled in the NFC Championship game. Mm -hmm. Walter fumbled in the Super Bowl, and he had a critical fumble in that Jay Schrader game the next year that maybe the Bears score, yeah. and they're in that game. And then by '87, the one of the main parts of the reason we lose, other than the defense being spotted 14 and then just wilting like, God. But anyway, uh, but Neil Anderson was hurt. Yeah. By Walter, it really, from 85 to 86, he had fallen off significantly. Like age, remember, he was actually one year older than what he was telling us. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and about that. by 86 to 87, the, the, the fall off was like so bad. that You got to give Ditka credit for that. He wouldn't bench him. Mm -hmm. He put Neil Anderson at fullback, even though he knew that the team would have been better with Neil yeah. playing running back at that time. But so Neil was getting a lot of carries, but he got hurt at the end of the year. So it's all up to Walter. Uh, he has a good first half against Washington, but, you know, time caught up with him in the second half. And I'm, I'm just saying, like, I guess to bring it full circle, I maybe Walter should have just, you know, been – Happy to get that Super Bowl win. I mean, I get it. Like, you wanted to score. I, I think it was Gary Fensick that said, I would love to have had a pick six. But you, you got your ring, man. Be happy. Be happy. I love Walter. I'm not bad-mouthing him, but be happy. But if you're Mike Ditka, give him the fucking ball. I, I get it. Give him the ball. I agree with 100% with what you're saying. And I think, again, this was a, a Chicago Bears a stubborn Chicago Bears organization that just kept giving him the ball. I'll never forget. He's being interviewed in the locker room as he's putting his stuff away. And he had like 30 carries in that particular, in that particular game afterwards. And he, uh, he was asked by a reporter. Not long is the answer. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You remember it better than I do. They uh, asked him like, he's like, man, my head's still spinning. Mm -hmm. How long can you go on like this, Walter? Not long. Yeah, it was like because like his head was still fucking spinning after the game. He's got thirty plus carries and they lose ten seven or whatever. And th I think that was the eighty one team. Mm -hmm. And then you know helps on the way with McMahon the next season. So yeah, there you go. And fascinating stuff. Back to those clips. I'm sorry, that I, I just re was reminded of this because Don Berg, our resident Lions, uh, a go go fan, um, that one clip were. There was a, a clip in that highlight package I put together of um, Hicks sacking Stafford, and there were two flags called on that play. Both of them were holding calls on the Lions, and despite those two holding calls, Hicks gets through and and uh, and gets Stafford. I mean, it, I, I should look up that those stats. How many, I wonder how many stats he had against Matt Stafford and the other NFC quarterbacks. He feasted on that terrible Lions offensive line because the Lions really did have an off a bad offensive line for years, and 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 Hicks took advantage of that. And let's uh, not talk any smack though, because 
I know a lot of this is before Akeem got here, but from like 2013, like after Lovey, you know, th- there was a period where the Lions won like seven straight from us. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that ever happened before, ever. Yeah. So I still don't feel like, oh, let me put my poke my chest out and say the Lions suck. They were kicking our asses for a little bit. Now, thankfully, we've gotten that turned back around. But yeah, that's uh, true. But still, yeah, they were kicking our asses during the Mark Trestman uh, John Fox days. Right. And I, and I wouldn't be surprised if the lions made a leap this year and be, and started to play closer to 500 football, uh, because they've got a very talented roster in most position groups. There's still certain areas, you know, uh, Don Burr likes to brag about the offensive line. If there are any injuries to the offensive line, then that offensive line of the Detroit lions is look going to look like uh, a, a one of the worst offensive lines because they've got no depth back there, at least based on what I know at this point of their uh, roster development. But they they have added some weapons, and uh, we know that Goff is not a great quarterback. But if he's got protection, and with the he's had a 500 yard passing game before. That's right, and with the weapons that he has now, uh, and DeAndre Swift appearing to move into his maturity and he may not drop that touchdown pass in the last few seconds to give the bears a, a a victory. So I'm a little bit worried about the lions. I have to say, just because the bears are really in a rebuild, you know, uh, Brian Poles may not want to say it, but they're really in a rebuild. And I know that Dan, you are, uh, you have a much, much, uh, 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 optimistic. I have more optimism again, without beating the same talking points, because I think our coaching staff is so much better than the coaching staff we had. Mm-hmm. And I think that Justin Fields is going to play significantly better. Mm-hmm. And that the defense could be above average, to say the least. Mm-hmm. So if you have better offense, you have better coaching, mm-hmm. certainly better quarterback play, and an easier schedule. I don't understand how those things don't – I mean, there's still people saying the Bears are going to win three games this year. Yeah. Well, I've seen a lot of that. This is the one year that I feel like I should, you know, like I normally, anytime I go against that, like, oh, there's no chance the Bears are going to like, I remember everyone was predicting Green Bay to win the championship game. And, and of course, I was running my mouth the whole week saying, you know, don't count us out yet, blah, blah, blah. But every time I'm always going against the, the, the flow of the water, to tell you that the Bears could do this. I'm always wrong, but I, I honestly feel like this time the sun could be shining on us. What was it Wesley Snipes uh, said? This Even, this, even the, the sun shines on a dog's ass some days. And I think <laughs> this could funny. be our season where the sun shines on our fucking ass. I, a season where maybe we don't deserve to make the playoffs because we're not that good, but we still fucking make it anyway. Yeah. It happens to other teams. It does. It does. And it could happen to the Bears. Uh, I'm a little bit more skeptical uh, just simply because there is so much turnaround. Um, and one of the one of the things we're going to talk about tonight is Justin Fields. And so maybe that's a good trend. This is a good transition to Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is going to make great strides this season. Uh, but one of the challenges that he has uh, in front of him is that outside of Cole Komet, and Darnell Mooney, the rest of the people he's throwing to are like all new, you know, and it takes a while to build chemistry. Um, can he build that chemistry fast enough 
to win football games. That's a hard thing, even for veteran quarterbacks who have been in the league for a long time. That's a hard thing to do. So, uh, But our team, I think, is going to know how to run the ball now. That is uh, one of those pluses, one of the pros that you can put. Absolutely. Different play calling, a commitment to the run. Uh, I bet you were 55-50 run first over pass, or 55-45. I... I see you, it's hard to say that, Dan, because it, if we're behind, you know, if, if we get off, if this defense is not working on secondary is better already on that, paper. That is true. I think in reality, in every sense of the word, he, I'm not saying Jalen Johnson is going to be playing at the twos. He's going to be starting opening day. We know that they, you know, they're punishing him where he missed that first uh, voluntary uh, OTA. He's going to be starting. The, ro- the rookie's going to be on the other side. Uh, you're probably going to have Graham in there as the – Thomas Graham as the the nickel maybe? Yes. Because uh, they maybe. seem to have com- – I mean, that's already better than the other team. Mm-hmm. And it, back to a 4-3 should help Robert Quinn even more. Mm-hmm. I, I, man, I just – I don't know. I don't think – I just don't see it. Maybe I'm completely so subjective that I'm ignoring the fire surrounding – the house here and I'm just like in the house chilling. I, I don't know. I, I just think that the bears can win this year. I really, I'm not saying they're going to win at all, but I think they can be heavily competitive. I honestly believe that to be true. Well, we're going to talk about Jordan fields and, and a lot of what we're talking about now is, is a part of this. I want to share a tweet that art by Nike uh, sent me via DM. Let me see if I can put it up on the screen here. Um, and this is a really good point that was made by Elise at AJ Davis 22800. Uh, he writes in his tweet, the Bears quarterback coach Andrew Janako was a quarterback at Pitt when Bears offensive coordinator Luke Getze was offensive assistant. Getze is a Moorhead disciple. Justin was supposed to go to Penn State because of Joe Moorhead. No, these hirings were not an accident. Let's see how it translates on the field. So there is some synergy going on here for the Chicago Bears that I think could really work in favor of Justin Fields. I think that we're going to – what we're going to see from what the coaching staff is providing Justin Fields is going to be – so different from what has happened before. I mean, it is so obvious that Matt Nagy was a complete dunce in terms of uh, of developing quarterbacks. And I would I wouldn't you know you know everybody is buddy buddy in the NFL. If if Andy Reid was not buddy buddies with Matt Nagy, I don't think Matt Nagy would find an NFL coaching job. You know, I agree one thousand percent. Right. Um, so that's, that's nepotism. The definition of nepotism is that right there. Yep. Indeed. So, uh, in order to discuss this, uh, the Justin Fields, I wanted to frame it around Chris Sims, your buddy, Chris, even Chris Sims thinks he can play better this year. That is right. I've got the list here. I think he, he released his top 20 quarterbacks or 21 quarterbacks. No, not top 21, uh, from 20 to 40 uh, last week. He was supposed to release the top 20 today. So what I have here up on the screen is his 21 through 
through number 40. At 21, he's got Daniel Jones. At 22, he's got Zach Wilson. And at 23, he's got Justin Fields. That's a sin that Justin is behind those two guys. I agree 100%. You know, 100%. I agree with them that Fields should be above Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Hurts, Jameis Winston, Mitchell Trubisky, Marcus Mariota, Tua Tagovailoa, Jared Goff, Trey Lance, Sam Darnold is at 32, and uh, Geno Smith, 33, Tyler Huntler. Oh, wait, Geno Smith? Who's he starting for? For the Seahawks. <laughs> no way. He's the starter? He is right now. He <laughs> can't. No, that won't happen. There's no way you we're going to play Geno Smith this year. I think I, that's, as, that's as bad as saying we're playing Mike Glennon. I think, I think we'll probably see Jimmy Garoppolo be the uh, quarterback for the Seahawks. Unless No way they trade him to Seattle. Unless they really want to play for that high draft pick to pick one of these stud quarterbacks that's coming out in the next draft. So, but Geno Smith, I, I know he's from here, like, and he's terrible. <laughs> he is, he is bad. He really <laughs> he's is. He's terrible. So, I took a look at the stats of Daniel Jones and, and Zach Wilson and compared them uh, with Justin Fields. So, let us remember that Daniel Jones, he's in his. Last year was his third year as quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, or excuse me, uh, New York Giants. I wish he was with the Packers. <laughs> yeah, really, maybe someday, please. <laughs> <laughs> and his stats have just gone down since his rookie year. We had a relatively good rookie year, um, have gone down since. He started 11 games last year. His uh, completion percentage was higher than either Zach Wilson and Justin Fields. He did throw for about 500 more yards in fields. He only had three more touchdowns. He had three fewer interceptions in fields, and his quarterback rating was about nine points higher than Justin Fields. But when you take into account that that's his third year, that Justin Fields was in his rookie season, didn't play with the numbs, uh, the number ones throughout training camp, didn't have a quarterback coach or a, uh, uh, not a quarterback coach, but an offensive coordinator, an offensive system to help him, then how can you put Daniel Jones ahead of Justin Fields? It doesn't make any sense to me. And the I same, concur. And the same thing with Zach Wilson. His numbers, his completion percentage was below Justin Fields. He started three more games and only threw for 500 more yards. He only had two more touchdown than, touchdowns than Justin. He had more interceptions, and his passer rating was five points below Justin Fields. So uh, let's give credit for Phil Sims for some things, but having him at 23 behind these two guys, I don't think he gets any credit for that. I really don't. Yeah, I, I don't know why. Like, maybe Zach Wilson – turns it around he's kind of like justin in that sense that they're they're young and you know just give them you got to give them another season to see what plays out Mm -hmm. like you said daniel jones is entering the last year of his rookie contract right it's kind of like mitch in 2020 like they're hoping that this is the year it comes together but likely it won't Mm -hmm. because he hasn't shown anything yet so they on promise alone both wilson and uh, Justin Fields should be ahead of Daniel Jones. Agreed with that. So I got a little bit of sound of Phil Simms uh, uh, justifying his uh, – his, uh, Now, is this Phil or Chris? Did I say Phil? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not trying to contradict you. I didn't know if oh, Phil had you're, you're correcting too, me. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. It's Chris Sims, of course. Uh, and so this is Chris uh, Sims. He's with Paul uh, Burmeister on, his, on one of his podcasts, I guess. And this is Chris Sims talking about why he moved Justin Fields up to number 23. Wow. You want to talk about the guy that really, you know, maybe crapped on me a little bit last year? That'd be Justin Fields, and I'm happy to say it. From, from 39 to 23. 39 to 23. And I just get the feeling that he impressed you more in Chicago than he did in Columbus. I, he did. He did. How come? Yeah, because I think, first off, the things I questioned about his throwing, you know, which, is, of course, to me is, is big. Uh, man, he, he basically said, Chris Sims, shut up. You don't need to worry. Look at this. There's a spiral here. It's on target. It's pretty good rhythm. Boom. You know, he he didn't overthrow all year. That would be the first thing I'd say. Like, I think when, when I go back and think about Ohio State, when he overthrew, he lost control of the ball. When he's smooth and he keeps his arm a little bit more compact, he never loses control of the ball. I mean, then there's a lot of wow with Justin Fields. I think that's where you got to start. You got to start with wow. I mean, he made a lot of wow plays and wow is he stupid <laughs> i mean how can he how can he look at justin fields ohio state tape and not be impressed by that yeah there were some mechanical things that justin fields had at ohio state but his tape was outstanding i don't understand chris sims chris sims is an idiot man and a guy that never did anything. I mean, uh, I got to give him credit for overcoming a spleen injury mm-hmm. on the field. So he's tough. But again, he was, you know, at least you could say Phil, his dad, had just a remarkable Super Bowl. And, you know, if Phil's telling me that Fields is struggling and isn't worth the fuck, then maybe I'll listen. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why we should, you know, have to be lectured by Dan Orlovsky or or uh, Chris Sims, two guys. That, I mean, again, Orlovsky ran out of the end zone and didn't realize it. <laughs> and he's right. some fucking expert and Dan Graziani or whatever. Like, Graziani. why don't they just put us on there? I mean, fuck, they're putting on all of these scrub players or these experts. Yeah. It's I remember Sean weird. Salisbury was the first one that they did that in my lifetime where I'm like, this guy's so cocky and conceited but was terrible as a player. I don't get it. Like, if you're going to lecture us and and be condescending, then your resume should back up your fucking mouth. I'm with you. Now, uh, the guy with Sims was uh, Paul Burmeister, and he actually made uh, a couple of good points here. You know, first of all, he throws a great deep ball. He does. Going to do that quite a bit. That's what you see. Right? Yes. And I also thought. That's the wowness. Right? Yes. Another wow. I mean, get him outside the pocket. Uh Let him run. Let him move. And, like, I thought last year they – they didn't do it do that it enough. often. Right. So if you have a head coach that recognizes he can throw the hell out of it down the field, and boy, I'm I, I'm going to let him get out and run around. I mean, the potentially showed year one, yes, but he might be in a better spot in terms I, of what what they want him to do. I, I don't disagree with you there. Paul Burm, Burmeister, I think, should be the star there, and Chris Sims should be the guy cleaning the floor (laughs) (laughs) so uh pretty obvious i mean he's got a great arm and he he should be uh moved out of the pocket lester wolfong um of one of the uh, blogs in town posted something on twitter and i meant to capture it so that i could share here but he had the quarterback rating for justin fields when he's uh, uh uh sprinting out of the pocket and it's like the best in the nfl but there were only 13 play calls of fields moving out of the pocket and throwing on, on, on plays that were planned that way. And so just the fact that we've got new play callers should move 
Justin Fields' 10 spots in, in Sims's uh, category here. Yeah, new coach. That's the big thing. I you got it. I can't convey that a po- that point enough. I mean, we we had a guy that's you know the cliche that yeah the curtain got pulled back and you saw who the wizard was. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this guy had no credibility whatsoever as an NFL coach. I and again, if it weren't for Andy Reid, he'd be like some middle school gym teacher or something. Yeah, exactly. You're this right. fucking guy's not worthy of coaching a fucking high school team as the head coach. <laughs> I mean, maybe he could go to the XFL or the USFL. Yeah, they're, I mean, the people coaching there are high school coaches. Well, kidding. Mark Tressman did win a Canadian championship. Give him I mean, that. He, he won and he's multiple. in one of those leagues. I think he won four or five. Um but uh, this is uh, Sims talking about uh, what he's worried about with Justin Fields. You know, if there was a negative about him last year, is just puts himself in danger a little too much. You know, it just it, sometimes you get tackled for minus one in the NFL. Uh, Justin Fields, that just right. you know don't don't try to break the tackle, break somebody's ankles, and now you got seven guys flying at you who are all trying to kill you. Like sometimes you just gotta know when to hold them and when to, know when to fold them. And I'd like to see him know to fold them a little bit more. At Cleveland, nine sacks. I mean, it was six out of nine twenty sacks, that day, right? Yeah. And that was also Tough one of those watch. games where you go. That was one of those games for sure where we yeah. got, they don't they didn't have one run for the guy. It's Cleveland. <laughs> Right. And they're fast as hell, and they never did anything to keep them off balance right. the whole game. Now, just as I'm saying something nice about Paul Paul Burmeister, he brings up the nine sacks at Cleveland. That wasn't Justin Fields' fault. No. I mean, come on. I, that's why I hate these national broadcasters, because their job is to stay informed on 32 teams. Nobody knows the Chicago Bears like the people in the chat room, the people who, the thousands of people who watch this play on the uh, uh, play on demand, and and the the thousands more who go to Soldier Field and love the Chicago Bears and study the Chicago Bears. These national guys, who was it just just a minute ago, put up on the screen uh, that these uh, TV analysts are idiots. They are. They don't know about the Chicago Bears. So, I mean, how many yards did the Bears have total that day? We were at that game. Yes, you and I were. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it was probably less than 100 yards of total offense. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, oh, well, if, if Fields had just played better that day, the Bears could have won. It was, they were in the game for a long time. But it, that game was almost like the one where Cutler was in against the Giants and just mm-hmm. got beaten to death with like the nine or ten sacks in the first half. Remember that one? Yeah. It's very similar where it's just like this guy's the fucking prey and they are the sharks. Vaughn in the chat says something that uh, I'm sure you'll agree with. He says Nagy leaving is an extra three wins for the season. I Man, yes. Combined with the schedule, not I mean, you never know, but on paper the schedule isn't extremely daunting as it was last year. Mm-hmm. And – like I said, they got real coaches there now. Mm-hmm. I yep. think our offensive coordinator, again, we haven't even played a preseason game, but I think the great Getsy is better than anything. Like Just through his interviews, I feel like he's transparently better than Matt Nagy. But maybe I'm jumping, the, you know, like calm down, like don't come too quickly here. You know, mm-hmm. like let's get a few minutes in before you bust, but okay. I still I think he's going to be better offensive coordinator than Matt Nagy ever could have been. The defense should hold up. They got a better secondary, better schedule, and better coaches, and they'll have better quarterback play. 
man, Danny almost making me a believer. <laughs> and even if Fields were to get hurt hypothetically, which would be awful, and I don't want to see it. I mean, for a seventh round pick, Simeon's okay. Mm-hmm. Like he's, I would rather have Trevor Simeon than Andy Dalton. Fucking I man. absolutely believe that. I'm not just blowing smoke or I just trying to be funny. I agree with you. I was upset that the Bears didn't draft Trevor Simeon. I thought he was a guy that you should take a chance on. Well, he eventually went, I think, around six to the Broncos. Um, I was surprised that Pace, who came into town saying, we're going to draft the quarterback every year, fill the pipeline, you never, you never know, could get lucky, bypass Dak Prescott in the fourth round, pat, bypass a, a good solid backup in Trevor Simeon. Um, you know, just some stupid stuff that's happened in Chicago. And did you hear why? Did you hear Simeon's uh, presser when he was asked why he came here? No, no, I missed that presser. What, what did he say? Uh, he said something, uh, again, this is not a direct quote, but he said, the offense, man, the offense is, he's like, I know I'm here to be the backup, but if I have to play, this offense is good for my talent. This mm-hmm. offense will be the way I can accentuate my play and show you that I'm a capable NFL quarterback. He said that he knows that th- it's a good fit for his talent. Oh, I gotta check and that it's out. a good offense is what he said. Yeah, I bypassed that interview. I, I, sh- I need to check that out. That was about two, three weeks ago, right? He, he, yeah, uh, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And But he said that the offense was the reason he wanted to be here. Mm-hmm. All right, the last clip I have from uh, Chris Sims uh, talking about his concern. Uh, again, he's with Paul Burmeister here. Chris Sims is talking about his concern uh, regarding the weapons uh, or lack of weapons he perceives that the Bears have. You look at the playmakers around him, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I look at it right now and go – I think out of all the rookies that were drafted in his class, he's got the least support system around him. I do. I, do. I mean, again, Zach Wilson and the Jets, when they're healthy, that's going to be pretty good. You know, Trevor Lawrence, like we just talked about, I mean, what they did this offseason, this is yeah. going to be pretty good. Yeah. Trey Lance with the 49ers, I mean, come on. They're the best, maybe the best team in football completely. And then, you know, Mac Jones, even though it might not be superstars, there's a lot of good across the roster there. Yeah. So might be last by a significant amount. A significant amount. I mean, we're talking about, hey, Cole Komet, good tight end. We know he's legit. Yeah. I like Darnell Mooney a lot. Yeah. Darnell, Darrell, Darnell Mooney. Yeah. Mooney. I don't know why I was going to say Darrell, Darrell Mooney. I think like there used to be a, you know, but. Yeah, then after that, we're getting into and David some, Montgomery, some you know, David Montgomery, certainly, but slim pickings as far as, Wide you know, receiver. receiving receivers yeah. go. And that's why I think you're hearing the the kid they drafted out of uh, Tennessee, Tennessee, Vilas Jones, yeah. right? They're, he's making some noise. They're going to they're going to probably have to depend on him to make some plays for their offense this year. They don't even fucking know the roster. Yeah, I know. Daryl Mooney. What <laughs> the fuck? And <laughs> as you and I have said privately, <laughs> I think St. Brown is going to play. I mean, he came from, you know, with Getsy. Yeah. So I, if Getsy didn't believe in him, he would have been like, like, don't sign that guy. I worked with him before. He's not capable. Mm-hmm. And this guy, this, this guy came over, you know, pissed off that he couldn't get more time, more balls thrown his way. Couldn't get targets and signed basically the league minimum just to get a shot. Mm-hmm. Just let me show you what I can do. Mm-hmm. So I think this guy is going to be a very good player for us. And maybe I'll be completely wrong. He'll be one and done. And maybe, again, I'm talking out of my ass. But like I said, you combine the fact that the OC knows him, obviously advocated for him, and then he takes that small-ass contract. He's betting on himself here Mm -hmm. to get paid next season when the Bears have more money. Right, right. So I think he's going to flourish if he is given the opportunity and stays healthy. 
Man, I uh, I believe I, I put up a chart the other day on, on uh, Twitter. I didn't uh, download it onto StreamYard. But when you compare the Bears receiving core from last year and the Bears receiving core from this year, and you apply the same numbers from last year for the guys who are returning or the numbers that they had last year, like Pringle had 40-something catches with the Chiefs, and you apply those to the Bears, and you t- total up the top 10 receivers, the, 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 the 2020 version of the Bears have 50 more receptions than the Bears from last season. And in that interview, I, I cut out the part where – Sims was talking glowingly about he doesn't have Allen Robinson anymore. That's going to be a huge loss. Well, how many passes did Allen Robinson catch last year? And I'm an Allen Robinson fan, but they just didn't mesh for whatever reason. And it had to do really because of Matt Nagy was, 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 had some vendetta against Allen Robinson, which is crazy. Unfucking believable guys fighting for his job. And I'm talking about the head coach and he's carrying out vendettas against players. Unbelievable. Yeah, what a fuck. Just, he's just such a terrible coach. Like, he's worse than, you know, they always say when you have a first-round pick, that quarterback, then it misses. You, like, put yourself back four or five seasons. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy, I know he won coach of the year, but he really set us back. What a, As poor as they think we are right now, they being the experts, that's because of Matt Nagy. Mm-hmm. And you can blame some of it on Ryan Pace, too. I get that, but... Man, Ryan Pace was, or, I'm sorry, Matt Nagy is worse than any, he's worse than Cade McNown. He's worse than Curtis Enos. And again, I still say Curtis could have been okay. He hurt his knee real early in his rookie season. Mm-hmm. But he's he's like the worst bust pick we've ever had. He's worse than the Rick Meyer trade. You give up a first-round pick for Rick Meyer. There's your question. <laughs> What's worse? You, you trade a first-round pick for Rick Meyer who never throws a single touchdown as a bear or hiring Matt Nagy. Which is the worst? Man. It might be a tie. That is a tie. <laughs> I think the Rick Meyer trade is the worst one in my lifetime, though. Man. And I think Matt Nagy is the worst coach in my lifetime. And that includes Tressman. That includes Fox. Why'd you buy a Rick Meyer jersey? I did not buy a Rick Meyer jersey. Oh, that's John Buffon. (laughs) That was Mr. Buffon. Uh, Yes. He wore that shit on your post game. uh, I think it was the day we were in Cleveland. That's right. That's right. That had to be a gift. I bet you that was a gift. I don't think John would pay pay the money for a Rick Meyer jersey. Like I told you this before, Phil told me he had the, the Bears 27 Lewis Tillman jersey. Oh, my goodness. The running back from the Giants that we signed yeah. and was there in 94, 95. Was that Lewis Tillman or Spencer Tillman? No, not Spencer. Uh, Lewis. Okay. Lewis was like the third string running back in New York behind O.J. Anderson and Rodney Hampton. Oh, why? why? And played special teams. So we signed him. I'm telling you, in 94, we were on a – I'm slightly exaggerating this. I, you can look up the line. There was a Sunday night football game. The Bears at the Jets early in the season, like week four. Mm-hmm. And I, this is, again, a slightly exaggerated, but Lewis Tillman had like 35 carries for 39 yards. Mm-hmm. It, was something, <laughs> it was fucking awful. That's why they drafted Rashawn Salam the next season. They're like, we got to get away from this guy immediately. Yep. Worst free agent signing by the Chicago Bears. People are throwing some names out there. I'll ask you, Dan. What? What's uh, that? Was a trade? The Rick Meyer was a trade. So yeah, I Meyer's the worst trade. Yeah. What about free agency signing? Mike Glennon. 
Mike Glennon, yeah, probably. It's hard to, to go against Mike Glennon. Oh, my God. I mean, he was terrible. Or Jonathan Quinn. Jonathan Quinn, we signed him as a free agent. Remember back in 04? Because, mm -hmm. again, he was kind of like Chase Daniel. He knew the offense. Mm -hmm. And he was supposed to help young Rex along, and Rex blows his knee out at the Metrodome. And then suddenly this fucking guy's got to play. That, oh, he was horrible. I'm trying to um, – somebody asked if T Lewis Tillman wasn't from the Green Bay Packers. No, no he's from the Giants. Yeah. He won a ring with the Giants. 1989 through 1993, and then with the Bears, 94 through 95 is what I see here. So, Yeah, in 95 he didn't play. Rashawn played the overwhelming majority of the season. That was his rookie year, and he did extremely well except for fumbling. Mm -hmm. Was Henry Burris a free agent signing? Somebody suggested Ooh, Henry Burris. I don't, I don't, I don't remember. Mm -hmm. Henry Burris. Well, maybe we drafted Henry Burris. I think we I did. Did, we, did we draft Moses Moreno who started the one game? Yes, Moses was a uh, was a late round draft pick, if I remember. Oh correctly. my God! Mm -hmm. uh, I know everyone likes to bring him up, but he only played the one game. Like Henry Burris had some action. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's safe to say that Mike Lennon was the worst all time free agent. What about Edgar Bennett? Edgar Bennett from uh, the guy from the Packers was Edgar Bennett, as Tooch just put up on the screen. Uh, I don't think that was, you know, they didn't pay Edgar Bennett big money. Uh, he didn't do well. He was awful. He was done. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, and one that's controversial that could be because it didn't play out well could be on this list. And I like the guy a lot, mm -hmm. but and no one ever really talks about this or this era of the Bears, really. But what about Brian Cox? Yeah, somebody actually uh, mentioned Brian Cox uh, uh, a couple of minutes ago. Oh, I think I liked Brian. I yeah. did. I liked him a lot. I, did I was too. happy with the signing. Yeah, I, I, you know, it didn't live up to expectations, but that nobody played well on that team. And but I thought Brian Cox brought some energy, some toughness. You know, he fucked up a lot, uh, as uh, Tooch says. He was a hard hitter. Um, I like that about him. Uh, and somebody else also suggested Cordell Stewart as a free agent signing, but yeah, but there wasn't, there weren't really high expectations for Cordell for Slash. They were trying to sign Jake Plummer. Yeah, that's right. And Jake Plummer was who who did really well with Arizona with some bad teams, mm -hmm. won a playoff game there. So it wouldn't have been a terrible signing. They they went after Jake and he went to Denver, and Cordell was like the only guy sitting there waiting, needing a gig other than Jeff Blake. Mm -hmm. And so they signed Cordell with the idea that he was going to start until Rex was ready. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Cordell didn't play super well with the Bears or anything. But, I mean, I don't think he deserves that kind of vitriol. I I, I don't. Yeah. I think maybe Logan Pilcher uh, has aced the Glennon one with uh, by saying that Double Doink was the worst free agent signing oh, ever. And Shane Marsaw <laughs> called that immediately. He did. He did immediately. That's right. Credit to Shane. Uh, he, he um, The smartest fucking man. Yeah, he was warning us early in the season. Yeah, this is going to come back to bite us. Watch. And he was fucking right. I Another kicker that we signed that was awful and didn't make it a couple of weeks and actually is why we ended up with Robbie. Mm -hmm. uh, when Paul Edinger was allowed to leave mm -hmm. and to go to Minnesota, we signed Doug Bryan. Mm-hmm. Dark the old line, 49er yeah. kicker who won a Super Bowl there, I think I in 94, yeah. was just so awful. By like week five, Robbie was our kicker because Doug Bryan was just so terrible. Mm. 
And Robbie was a construction worker at the time. That's right. Well, and, and during the course of cutting those highlights regarding Akeem Hicks, one of the announcers said that Akeem, after he uh, he was in between teams and he was working at a call center for a cable company in Colorado before he got a call. I think it was the Saints or somebody uh, before joining the, the Bears. Uh, so that was pretty interesting. <laughs> Imagine get, getting on the phone and complaining about your cable bill and Akeem Hicks is on the other line. <laughs> so, yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> Um, there was another name here, uh, Lamar Houston. I don't think Lamar was that Ooh. bad of a signing, though. He just had some really bad luck, and part of it had to do with his undisciplined-like play. Um, I mean, if you're celebrating a sack when you're down 51-3, to three, yeah, see, that's I'm not stupid. gonna say you deserve to blow your knee out, but maybe you do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jay Cutler was a trade, Cliff. I don't think, and I don't think that can be, uh, I don't think that was the worst trade. I think the recommendation led us to the championship worse. game. Yeah. Uh, Tony Moy reminds us about Ray McDonald, the former 49er who, uh, oh. was, uh, got a endorsement from Ryan Pay saying this guy is okay. But, uh, a weeks later, he had a domestic violence accusation against him. And well, I'm Jay Ratliff, or I guess he was Jeremiah Ratliff when we had him. Right. But he lost his mind and like tried to attack the team in a practice or something. Yes, and they had to call the police they in when he was cut. The cops on him because he was threatening people at Hallis Hall. He he totally lost it. And you know what? It, I, it, I was gonna make a joke about it, but you know a lot of these guys have just suffer from so, so much head trauma that it's it, you'd be making jokes about you know people who have mental illness. So eh, I'll make the joke anyway. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> King I love the Marshall trade. If if it made me think of that mm-hmm. when you were talking about mental illness, uh, I, I thought Brandon. Uh, he was only here three years. I know a lot of people grew tired of him quickly, but uh, I thought he was a phenomenal player. It's just too bad, man, that couldn't put it all together. That's another guy I would like to have seen win with the Bears. Is Brandon Marshall? I yeah. liked Brandon, man. I I like Brandon a lot, and I. You know, that borderline personality disorder that he suffered from, I understand that. I've seen other people in my family and friends have that. So, I, you know, I, that was, to me, forgivable. And I think that it, you just needed a head coach who perhaps would have spent time learning about how to deal with p- borderline personality disorders. Uh, Tooch is, is nodding his head. So since he's agreeing with me on this point, I'm going to bring him in. <laughs> Tooch, how are you, brother? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks a lot. How, how's uh, how's everyone doing? Barflies, good. Uh, the barflies are great, man. We've got uh, over a hundred in the chat room. Uh, many more listening or watching in on Twitter, and uh, our numbers for this show have been great. Yeah. So thanks for everyone who's been watching it on demand. A couple of thousand. Uh, really appreciate. Uh, uh, Dan sends his love too, right, Dan? Absolutely. Dan, you don't you don't praise our fans enough. Somebody told me. <laughs> well, it, it, I don't have access to the list of the people on you know at any given time, mm-hmm. and it's not. I mean, I'm I'm again. If we're bringing up Phil, uh, I don't. No one really interacts with me the way they did with Phil. So, you know, Phil would praise you know everyone. You make a joke about him and say, "Ah, oh, he's got 500 shoutouts," but you know, I. He was more affable in that regard and more approachable, I guess. I'm the same way. I'm not, you know, uh, a, a social animal. Tooch is more, much yeah, more of a social animal than any one of the two of us, right, Tooch? <laughs> 
I'm, I really love this conversation, man. I uh, uh, enjoy it. I, I got to think, you know, some of the worst free agent signings, man. Surfer dude. Mm-hmm. Chad Hutchinson. Worthless signing. Oh, he did goodness. win us a game against Minnesota in 04. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, if I could say one more thing about that. The play that everyone talks about to start the 2010 season, the Calvin Johnson play, mm-hmm. where Calvin clearly caught it and they said he didn't go through the – the catch procedure or whatever, and gave the Bears the ball back. Mm-hmm. That exact sequence happened to us at Ford Field in 2004 at the end of the season when Chad Hutchinson threw a touchdown to Bernard Berrien. Mm-hmm. So when everyone was like, oh, the Lions were robbed in Chicago, I was like, they just got what the fuck they took away from us in 04. Mm-hmm. The same fucking shit happened to us in 04. Nobody remembers that, though. No, Thomas Smith. Remember that dude? It was like supposed oh, to be a oh, shutdown yeah, corner. Yeah, and he, he like played he played one season, had zero interceptions, then he was cut. He didn't even make it out of training camp the next season. Thomas Smith, I think he was on the Bills. We signed him, gave him a big contract to come here and play shutdown corner. The guy from Washington that we signed, what was his name? Tom Carter? Was in the secondary? Yes, Tom Tom Carter, yes. Yeah, he wasn't that good either for an acquisition. Yeah. Um, Brandon Lloyd, remember that dude? We signed him from Washington Redskins. Yeah, he was in 08 with us. Yeah, he didn't do anything. <laughs> it's like Marcus Wheaton. Like, oh, he was better than Marcus Wheaton. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy brings up a forgotten bad trade, Gaines Adams. And I won't say that was a bad well, he trade. He died, though. He died, though. <laughs> exactly. It's not like he played poorly. The fucker died in his sleep. <laughs> That's a bad luck trade. Uh, I, I, so, Jeremy, we, we wouldn't have traded for him if we knew he was going to die. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> God damn you, Gaines. I got a scouting report on Gaines Adams here. So he's gonna die, die within twelve months. All right, let's try to make a drink for him. <laughs> oh, that's morbid. <laughs> yeah, this is a good conversation. Two, tell more of your names here. What do you got for us? Oh man, uh, let's see. Plus, I already brought up Cordell Stewart. That was mm-hmm. uh, you know so much promise. You know. Didn't do much. Uh, man, <laughs> Sam Hurd, that's another good one. Oh, wow. the drug dealer. The drug dealer. And Roy yeah. Williams. Yes. Yeah, Roy Williams. Great, Dan. Great one there. With the, That was a dude that had Marion Barber. Marion Barber, the motherfucker. Go out of bounds. No. Just go out of bounds. Don't let us get T-Bowed. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> What about Jared sure. Allen? I know that's come yeah. up uh, in the yeah, chat. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Orlando yeah. Pace. That another yeah. good one, although yeah, that was what I was going to mention. You know what? The whole that that San Antonio Holmes. Oh, yeah, Jordan just had that one too. <laughs> Jordan, always on top of it. Yeah. Um, Pernell McPhee. You think he was a bad one? Yes. Going to run his mouth with Jay on the sidelines when he hadn't played for like one game in three years. <laughs> See, the thing about um, uh, about him was that we signed him, we being the Bears, knowing that he had a tender knee. But they they went out and, 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 and played him every fucking snap. He should have been a pass rush specialist. He might still be on the Bears. Um, that was Pace too, right? Pace signed McPhee. Was I, I, Pace? Yes, was yes. I think it was Pace? one of his. I think it was his first big signing when he came here, a pass, oh, pass rusher. Yeah. yeah, 
he had uh, like it was a forty million dollar deal. Yeah, it was pace. You're absolutely right. Yeah, he was terrible. He he and his quote unquote dog mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was good for like the first month. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Khalil Mack in that regard. <laughs> Khalil was great the first month of that uh, acquisition of that trade, and then. Uh... I don't know. You know, I think I think that was, um, yeah. Hindsight being 2020, nobody really you can you can't say any of the two teams won that trade. Perhaps the Bears did lose it just because of the amount of money paid to Khalil Mack. And so you're unable now to sign other free agents that can potentially help the team. But at the very least, that performance, and even though we fucking lost that game, that performance uh, against the Green Bay Packers in his first game, that, that was worth $10, $20 million right there for me. I had a lot of fun seeing him fuck Aaron Rodgers up. But it, unfortunately, it didn't last very long. So, yeah. And, th- and that performance against Brady, when he picks up the rookie and just tackles him to the fucking ground after he sacked Brady. I mean, and he did it with one arm. Come on. Mac did some incredible things, but overall it was disappointing. I, I, Do you think he was worse than Julius Peppers as a bear? Now I'm not talking about Julius as a Panther or even a Packer. Yeah. Cause he was, he was a stud with green Bay. Again. He played better with green Bay than he did with the bears. People were asking me, what are we green Bay fa- fans that are, are, are buddies of mine? What are we getting in Peppers? Well, I was like, it's over, man. A guy, you know, he just doesn't have it anymore. And he goes out there and he fucking plays his best football. I think he played as well at Green Bay that he, uh, as he did under John Fox uh, in, in Carolina. That with really the Bears, though. Yeah, but to answer your was question. He, is he more of a disappointment than Khalil? Khalil was a bigger disappointment. Mm. Yeah, because I guess we had higher expectations. Yes, exactly longevity um peppers was criticized well, they both Ke- had four years they both have four years oh i didn't know that but peppers or maybe maybe peppers is yeah peppers was 10 11 12 and 13 okay so but peppers played more games over those four years than mac had to um yeah, it was disappointing. Peppers was, oh, man. Well, everything's fucking disappointing. <laughs> what about, I, I thought of that safety. Uh, he, he Every time we put him in, he had a penalty. He was from New England. He had the really long dreads. Oh. Brandon Merriweather. Yeah, uh, Mayweather. May, Mayweather, May, May, yeah. No, 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 it's Merriweather. You're right. Merriweather, yeah. Yes. He safety. Came, yes. Don't you remember this? He came to the Bears with the with the reputation of being a headhunter. He liked loved to spear ball carriers, and he collected a lot of penalties. The Patriots were trying to cure him of that problem, but he just loved to do it. He loved to hurt people. He was a fucking dirty player, and for some reason, we had him on the Bears. Yeah, that's a good one. That's yeah. a good Adam one. Archuleta. Oh, uh, good one, Dan. Yeah. Guy looked good with the Rams for a few years, and then he comes to the Bears at Lovey Smith's insistence, and uh, he looks like a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think Archuleta in Italian is a piece of shit. And don't forget that tight end that uh, that uh, Mike Martz wanted, the, the Samoan name. Oh, Brand- yeah. Brandon Ma- Mano Maliuno. Martz wanted uh, uh, Olsen gone so that he could replace him with uh, – Orlando Pace, Brandon Malamua, and uh, and and eliminate the tight end from the offense. Fuck you, Mike Martz. <laughs> That's when we had Kellen Davis, who was six seven and 
thought he would, you know, be able to make an impact considering how big he was. And he caught yeah. some balls from Jay, but man, I thought he he could have been more than what he was. But he had awful hands. But you're right, he did make a, a few good catches here and there. But he was Mister Unreliable when he came to his hands. It was awful, man. Oh, jeez. Why are we talking about all this bad stuff? <laughs> well, we're talking about bad. Well, well, how about some good ones then? Okay, Let's good. Flip it. How about how about Desmond Clark? Desmond Clark, good. I've been trying to get him on the show. He told me he would, but he says, I don't follow the Bears that often. I said, Desmond, we want to talk about you. We want to talk about your time with the Bears. Uh, we want to talk about what you've been doing after the Bears. And he goes, okay, I'll get back to you. And every once in a while, I remind them. He made me a promise. There's a few players like that. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, one of these days, one of these days. Come on, man, we need you on. Dan Aguirre will fucking cream on himself. Would, would well, you we want... signed, we signed Des, and he was with us from 03 through '10. Yeah. So yeah, he was there for a, a long time. But that's a good, solid acquisition. A very nice acquisition. Very nice. Other good free agent signings. Uh, well, the guy we we pay tribute to today, Akeem Hicks, is probably one of the better ones. Yes. Uh, of this century. Uh, who else? Who else do you guys like out there? Um, John Tate. Didn't play here a, lo a long time before he retired, but he was a good lineman for us. Yep. Good left tackle, right? Uh, and Andy Heck. Andy yes. Heck, another guy. His son is playing football now. Uh, he's a lineman for – he played at Michigan. He was drafted, I think, by an NFC East team. But a lot of promise, so we'll we'll keep an eye on him. Um, Ted Washington and Keith Trailer says Tony Moy. What do you think? I love those? Ted, man. Big Ted. He only played one year with us, though. He got hurt in week two of 02 and he was out of here. Yeah, been a lot of one year wonders with the Bears. Eric Kramer was a good free agent signing. Was he a free agent signing? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. from the yeah. Lions. Yep, you could add uh Jeff Graham and Marcus Robinson to Eric Kramer. Excellent good. names, excellent Pretty name. good, uh, uh, wide receiver uh, quarterback combos there. Mm -hmm. One magical season. Yeah. That season, uh, Tuch will appreciate this because he's a fantasy football savant. I picked up Marcus Robinson in that rookie season for the various son of Flyer. Yeah, let's put yeah, stick yeah. him in the back of my roster. All of a sudden, he starts catching passes. That guy's fucking starting for me. And you know who was singing the rock to him that year? The three headed monster of Shane Matthews, Jim Miller, and Cade McDown. Man. Was it? Okay. That in 99, yeah. So true. Ruben Brown, that's a good name. Yeah. Yes. Excellent name. What about uh, Thomas Jones? Thomas Jones was mentioned yeah. earlier. Yeah. Uh, Heidi is leaving us. She says, It's good to see you and listen to you. Thank you very much and good night. All my love for you. Bye, Heidi. Heidi. If I ever yeah. get to Acapulco, I'm going to stop in and see uh, Heidi. Yeah. I'm going to Acapulco. I'm bringing Heidi back with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if Heidi ever wants to become an American, she can marry me just for the green card as long as I get to hit it. <laughs> I love Heidi. All jokes aside. She's such a sweet woman. Uh, she truly is. Yeah, when I met her a few months ago, man, she's hot. Caliente. Muy caliente. She sounds like Penelope Cruz when she talks. I know, man. We should have her do some voice work for us. Just some... Uh, cooing sounds all time <laughs> uh, why do we have to sexualize everything on this show I right? because i'm a horny motherfucker <laughs> yeah, i think so i think me too 
Tooch, how, on a scale from one to ten, with ten being so horny, you might get arrested. Where, where would you put yourself on the hornball scale? Like right now, at this moment. <laughs> not right now. <laughs> yeah, please. Uh, hopefully, it's not a pen and you're looking at pictures of Dan and me. <laughs> well, at this point in your life, let's say. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. The older you get, uh, you know, the the less, uh, you know, the less, uh, act, you know, yeah, yeah, a little bit. I mean, but uh, my wife and I, you know, have a healthy relationship, so. That's good to hear. Good foundation. Should I but uh, the, the toddlers kind of, you know, wear you out so much. Oh, it's my like, gosh. You know, I'm like, I get to the end of the day, I hit the bed. I'm like, my back, uh, the toddlers wore me out. Uh, and then I oh, wait up for I'll, my wife's like, wait up for me. And I'm like, you know. <laughs> Jordan says that Dan Aguirre easily has the highest libido level of the three of us. I would agree with that. Dan's uh, younger than, than uh, Tucci and myself, and he's a bachelor. How is your sex life? It, it makes me happy. Makes me feel very proud of my. I almost feel like I deserve a cape anytime I can uh, make a woman uh, have an orgasm. So yeah, yeah, it helps my self esteem. Do are you better at uh, helping a woman achieve orgasm orally or with orally uh, for sure? Oh, really? Yeah, for sure because you can just focus on them mm -hmm. and you just figure out where what they want and what what they like and mm -hmm. it just you just got to pay attention. It's not that hard. Mm -hmm. uh, no pun intended with my penis. <laughs> I'm just saying it's not that difficult to ascertain what they're responding to. You know, it's like you're you're the conductor of the symphony. Yeah. And uh, with your dick, I mean, you're kind of a slave to what you like and what you like might not be what they like. So mm. it can, you know, it might not have good chemistry in that regard. But with the oral, it's kind of hard to fuck that up if you're really trying. That is, um, uh, I would agree with that. Do you remember the old Sam Kinison joke? He says, you no, know, that's what I was going to say to all of Yeah. The alphabet. There you go. So, yeah. Or, uh, when you're right. doing, you know, the, that particular letter and she goes, oh, then you remember that letter. Yeah. <laughs> and you go back to it again and again. <laughs> or uh, a brave heart, you know, the lesson uh, that the Englishman doesn't know how, what a tongue is for. <laughs> That's good. So the French, uh, <laughs> this French uh, paramour. <laughs> uh, Donald uh, McKendry says, uh, where is it? Uh, he says, at my current age of 65, or is it? I just had it up. There it is. Uh, my current age of 65. He says he is a five with a seven of a wife. So are you talking about your looks, uh, Donald? Because you were on one of our shows. And if you're giving yourself a five, you are a lenient greater. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Jeez. I'll quote Larry David from myself. I actually have a gif of this too when I, I share it to him. He's like, I'm a four, baby. I'm a fucking four. <laughs> a solid four. Uh, oh, <laughs> wait a minute. Breaking news. Best free agent signing from Laz Mongo. Yeah. You nailed it. Prayers up for Mongo. Yep. Gosh, you know, I, 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 I'm dreading that any moment now we're going to see the bad news. You know, I mean, there, there's – I'm hoping for a miracle, uh, of course, but it just doesn't look good. When you see these pictures – uh, there have been a lot of pictures of him yep. with former bears and friends and stuff. Just doesn't look good. This is ALS, man. This is this. There is no um, 
cure for this thing. It's it's the fucking worst. God damn, I hate getting old and diseases and stuff and seeing people that you love and care for and idolized uh, being affected by uh, uh, health he, issues. Even in his post-career, man, he was a wrestler for a couple of years and took it seriously, was in great shape, was strong, man. It was was a badass, man. Like, again, I know it's a script and what have you, but his body was in impeccable shape when he was a wrestler. Yeah. It was just a fucking beast, man. And to see that guy or just to see the guy in my head from 76, you know, with the bears yeah. to the guy laying in the bed, it's just, it's just like, this can't be the same man. Uh, the larger the life personality as well. You know, yeah, just... getting kicked out of Wrigley. Didn't he get kicked out of the Cubs game? He, I don't think he was uh, actually kicked out. The empire looked at him like he was ready to kick him out because he, he was supposed to be uh, singing, uh, take me out to the ball game, but he, he made a crack about the empire. He was having a bad day, but he made a crack about it. And the empire just threw a fucking look at him, but I don't recall if he was actually thrown out. Uh Cliff Victoria says, Mongo has a great wife. She has been by his side all along. Kudos to her. Yeah, you so are. De Debra right. is his wife's name, I think, right? Debra McMichael. No, no, that was his wife that back was in his, the day. She yeah, left his first wife. Steve Austin. That's right. His first wife. Wow. was gorgeous. She was actually uh, voted uh, Mrs. Illinois. Beautiful blonde. Uh, she left him for Steve Austin. That is she right. She said, wow. He used to, I, I don't want to like, denigrate Steve Austin here because you never know what's true and what isn't. But she made the allegations at the time that Chris Benoit killed his family in 2007 that Steve, she alleged that Steve was so roided up that he would beat her in Stone Cold character at the house. Oh, my God. Like he'd be in her face yelling, what, what? And like just literally playing Stone Cold and beating her at, at home. That's what she alleged. Jeez. Well. Well, let's not go there, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy, man. Yeah, his just, current wife's but, name is Misty, by the way. Thanks, Jordan. Misty Tooch. Misty yeah. uh, McMichael. That reminds me of an old Clint Eastwood movie where he's a radio DJ and he's stalked by this lady. It's called Play Misty for Me. Yeah, the Clint Eastwood yeah. movie, yes. Uh, yeah, that was solid, huh? Yes. Who was, what was the name of his co-star on that? Uh, I can't recall. Yeah, but that was good. Um Tooch uh, fucked up his homework assignment. He didn't see French Connection too. Uh, you know, I, I've seen it before, but it has been a long time. So I'm a big fan of the of French Connection one. I think it's, you know, one one of the. It's probably in my top 100. Yeah, you know, uh, French Shoot. Connection. Just you know, the directing is fantastic. I love William Freakin, Chicago guy. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, so many. He, he had like, probably you know, three super memorable movies for me you know the, the french connection exorcist to live and die in la is so underrated it really a really great is. movie man with the just i i remember seeing to live and die in the uh la in the in the theater just you know being shocked by the one scene you know that everybody will talk, you know, i don't want to give it away for those who haven't seen it if you haven't seen it it's a great fucking movie you know i pretty much made willem defoe's career william peterson uh, and yeah, because uh, that was before Platoon, right? Yeah, that's right. Because right. Willem yeah. was a big star by the time he was in Platoon with Oliver Stone right. and Charlie Sheen. But yeah, right. man, uh, that was before that. So yeah, I remember. I remember watching it and being shocked at the William Peterson scene in, in the locker room, and then being like, "Well, what do I do now? What the fuck? You know, it's like, <laughs> there's more movie. What the hell? You yeah. know? But yeah, great fucking movie. Great ending. Great story. Mm -hmm. Masterfully told. Uh, very underrated. 
uh, and then French Connection two. I remember I, I remember liking it. I just I just remember uh, liking French Connection one better. Tell you what, yeah, it's a totally different movie than it's French a, Connection. Yep. Um, Dan, you would agree with that, right? Yeah, it's what I liked about it. They didn't try to recreate the first one, which is kind of the same praise I have for Exorcist two. Uh, even though it wasn't sure. William Friedkin, uh, the director, like he didn't try to go there because he couldn't top that. Mm -hmm. So he made it a different film. And I thought French Connection 2, in its own way, was just as good, if not better, than French Connection 1. Actually, because you get you get the payoff at the end with the bastard dying mm -hmm. uh, that gets away at the end of the first one. And you get this yeah. these dark scenes of Gene Hackman forced to become a junkie. They kidnapping kidnap him and they keep shooting him up with heroin against his will and he has to overcome all of that to because they leave him for death you know they just throw him out in front of the precinct and there you go and he has to overcome his newfound addiction mm -hmm. and and but in the end he is able to pull himself together and still shoot the asshole at the end to me that's the the bow on the top that's jerking me off at the theater you know the first one left me thinking okay i was close to coming but i didn't and this one so i like part two better so Popeye Doyle, Gene Hackman's best character, would you guys say? I know he was nominated, I think, wasn't he, for an Oscar for uh, French he Connection 1? He was one? nominated for the first one and was mm -hmm. not for the second, although critics wanted uh, him to see uh, get a, uh, a nomination because, in particular, those scenes where he was uh, on drugs, on heroin, uh, were... What Dan was talking about. Critics, yeah. The critics love that stuff. See, I had a little bit of a problem with French Connection 2. I enjoyed it, but it's a very, very simple movie. Popeye Doyle is told to go to France to find the heroin dealer who got away in the first movie, as Dan just said. Um, the French cops dislike him. They give him an office outside the bathroom. Yeah. They, they just they don't like his American, you know, uh, 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 bulldog in a china shop approach to towards law enforcement. He's like Olin Krutz over there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Popeye Doyle then um, uh, he's being followed by French police because they want to make sure that he doesn't do anything outlandish. American, American right? You know, they want him to be a, 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 a dirty Harry. Um, and so he tries to lose them, does, and then he's immediately kidnapped by the French drug dealers, uh, henchmen, and they make him addicted to heroin. And then there's this long fucking sequence with him trying to beat the drugs. And I know it's been critically acclaimed, the acting and stuff, but I just thought it bogged down the movie that already was running over two hours. In total, it runs over two hours. And so that could have been tightened a little bit. And then you see him getting back into health. You know, he's there's this montage where he's walking around in one outfit and then walking around in another outfit, walking around in another outfit, walking around in the other. And then he's now back to his old Popeye Doyle uh, kind of half fascistic way of policing. He fucking goes to the hideout of the drug dealers and he burns the fucking building down. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's kind of a bullshit thing to do because there's a lot of innocent people in that fucking hotel building. So that kind of turned me off, you know, and the fact that 
you, do you really think the French police would have said, you know, okay, we'll, we'll forgive you for that. You know, let's, let's go get the bad guy. Uh, that to me stretched the imagination a little bit, stretched plausibility. And then finally, there's the scene where he's tracking down uh, as, as Dan gave away the ending. Uh, not that it, that was a bad thing because the fucking movie is 50 years old now, but there's this scene where he's tracking down the major uh, drug dealer and you hear him panting and he's jumping fences. He's running, he's chasing on And the soundtrack is like this. <laughs> I like it. It's gritty, man. It's gritty. It felt, it felt phony. It felt, you know, it didn't feel like natural sound because everything was shot in a telephoto lens. So he's clearly far away. So why is his soundtrack of him breathing heavily why it's why is it dominating the soundtrack it's almost like a pov for the crowd for us we're like we're gene hackman there that's what it'd be for us to jump these fences and stuff and and that would have been okay if they would have had at least one or two point of view shots of hackman you know with the cameras jiggling he's just trying to jump the fence and running and stuff like that but I, I didn't like, and the director is great. So me criticizing John Frankenheimer, one of the, one of the great directors of that era. Uh, he's done a lot of great movies. Uh, what's the football uh, one? Uh, Black Sunday. Um, yeah, love Black Sunday. Manchurian Candidate, and so on. So I, yeah, I shouldn't be criticizing Frankenheimer's work, but that scene didn't work for me. And then he immediately, as soon as he shoots the French guy, titles credits. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, okay, can you give us the satisfaction of the French people sucking Papa Doyle's dick or something because he's cleaned up the streets of Marseille? I don't know. Uh, overall, I give it a thumbs up. I, uh, if you love uh, cinema, it's 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 definitely a, a a a pleasing movie for lovers of cinema. But there were some parts of it that I, I thought were bad. Nomad says bad editing. I would agree with Nomad. There was some bad editing there. It, it, it wasn't William Friedkin. It was not William Friedkin. And, and that's one of the reasons, though, Dan likes it, because it didn't. It wasn't the same mishmash. And for that, I give credit. You know, it, 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 it had its own style. It, it feels very European. Uh, and I think, frankly, there's I'm no, like, car chasing and things that made the first one the first one. You know, I mean, right. They, they're like, we understand that this is a great film and we can't top that. So we'll try to go in a different direction. Mm -hmm. It's like a musician like Michael Jackson, you know, uh, he's got he thriller such a huge record, but at some point he's got to do bad. Mm -hmm. And you, maybe it's maybe maybe that's the same style. Maybe it's a bad analogy, but at some point you can't make the same record over and over unless you're like ACDC. I agree but, with you, but you know, wouldn't it have been cool? Because when you're going to make the comparison, the, the the signature scene in the first one is, of course, the car chase with the L train, right? The, what's the signature scene in French Connection two? Him runting and panting like he's no the heroin stuff to me is what indelibly. That's what I think about in that movie, just how awful that would be if is your, your worst enemy, you know, like just kept injecting you with drugs over and over and over and made you a junkie. Yeah. And like your whole life, you abstained from that shit. And now you're suddenly a slave to it. That would just be awful. I, I agree with that. That is the signature scene or sequence of that movie. I just feel like it needed for the for the finale when they catch the guy, it needed something it was little, abrupt. I'll yeah, give you that. It, it was abrupt. That's that's a good way of putting Is, it. Is uh, French Connection one the greatest 
car chase scene ever? No, I, no. I love the Bullet movie with Steve McQueen. Bullet. Um, the, he tried to top himself and to live and die in L.A. too. Another great car chase scene. On the highway against traffic. Yeah. <laughs> that is good. That Steve McQueen one is incredible, though. Yeah. Steve McQueen uh, in Bullet. Uh, I forgot who the director was on that one, but would, that was an outstanding would film. Would you guys say that uh, those movies that you just mentioned, they uh, inspire the Fast and Furious uh, car chase? You had to have some effect, no? Uh, fast, uh, which, which, which the Vin Diesel and the oh, rock. Yeah. I've never watched any of those, so I can't really answer. A- excellent uh, action uh, scenes, but yes, yeah. all CGI, all of it. Yeah. Uh, even when the very first Fast and Furious movie, it was filled with CGI. I saw that one in the theater. Yeah. It was an okay. inspiration though. I mean, with it making the, they, they, they kind of, uh, turned the car chase scene into like, you know, the, uh, like a, like a dinosaur CGI, you know, they, <laughs> monster <laughs> CGI. They turned the car chase scene into its own industry. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Very true. And there's like 37 of those films. Just stop making them. <laughs> <laughs> those things make money though. That's the thing, you know, yeah. um, a lot of, people- I'm, I'm with Martin Scorsese too. Can we please stop making these comic book movies? I mean, it's just the the worst cinema, and there's like twelve of them every year, and they're exactly the same. Well, we have a show that's on the on our network that's dedicated to those movies. So those guys. Well, it's just my opinion and Martin Scorsese, no. so I'll say that. I, you know what, I'm, I'm I'm with you. I I I think there's too many of them now. It's oversaturated, and at a certain point, the audiences are going to start turning away from these marvel movies and in fact we've already started seeing signs Tucci, you know this better than me some of the ratings on uh and what i mean by ratings uh, some of the uh, uh box office receipts and ratings for the ones that are streamed they're they're going down they're not now yeah. the last one uh dr strange i think it was mm-hmm. uh that one did fairly well but there was a precipitous drop from week one to week week two at the box office and so yeah. there, there's been some reports that um you know maybe maybe the fans of these movies are are starting to feel be, a little i don't know restless could, tired of the shit could it be never been. Uh, reluctance to uh, uh enter the movie theater again on some people's parts post pandemic I, I don't know yeah that, yeah that's uh, the point i was about to make i've never okay. been a fan I'm sorry, of Dan, I didn't mean yeah. No, no, no. I'm sorry to mean to step on you. I was just going to say I wasn't a fan of Top Gun per se. I didn't hate it, didn't love it, but I love to see that it's making so much bank in the theater right now because yeah. I would love to see a comeback for movie theaters. Mm-hmm. Did Did you see the Maverick already? I heard it was really no, good. I st- like money. It's making a shit ton of money. Just yeah. a plethora of money. It's it's doing extremely well. So yeah. I wanted to to bring back the theater, man. Greg Gabriel saw it and he loved it. I heard it's really good. Yeah, somebody else I talked to uh, really admired it. So I might. I like the fact that they had to bring back some kind of uh, artificial technology to to have Val Kilmer have his voice again. Mm -hmm. So that's cool that he you were able to hear Val's voice despite the fact he can't talk now. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty cool. PJ wanted uh, you to know that. Uh, the comic books, you've got to appreciate the comic books to really enjoy these Marvel movies. Um, he's, he actually writes, uh, actually, Dan, they are not the same. You have to understand the comic books. So what he's saying is that these Marvel movies are not the same if you understand the backstory that the comic books deliver. And that's part of the problem, though, with these Marvel movies is 
that if you're not a big follower of the comic books, this I've learned from uh, Salim and Carl, who do science fiction here on the network. He says that some of the movies, you really need to know some of the backstory that is filled in in the comic books so that you can better appreciate what is being said or shown uh, in the in the movie. That's, and to me, that, that to me is it's kind of weird because, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm paying my movie. I want to... I want to see an entire event that's made just for that sitting, uh, unless it's a sequel of the last movie. Uh, but Salim made the point, and I and I remember when I was a comic book reader as a kid, I remember that there were asterisks on the bottom of the page of comic books, uh, uh, yes. refer to issue four, five, seven, or yes. something like that. You remember that too? Yes. <laughs> so, I used to bug the shit out of me because I didn't have that issue. I'd be fucking pissed off exactly. when I was a kid. Exactly. So uh, it is a little frustrating, but I understand, you know. you know. Can I, I respond to this? Please do. Please. To me, and again, I, I'm not, remember, my opinion is only worthy of my opinion. It doesn't make it effect. And if the other gentleman thinks it's the best films ever, my opinion does not supersede his. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I'm not trying to piss him off. But in my opinion, this these movies are Taylor Swift. They're mass mass consumption. They're pop music. Or maybe I can extrapolate it even far, farther and say that it's 80s hairband. It's a fad. It's a phase. And at some point, it's going to go away. And I can't wait for that. But I think it, it doesn't even deserve, because there are some good hairband, like Guns N' Roses. It's nothing like, it's Taylor Swift, man. It's radio-friendly pop shit that most people would listen to on the radio. That's the kind of movie it's akin to. It's just safe, watered down horseshit, in my opinion. But you made seen, for mass consumption. But you haven't seen them, so how? I've seen not all of them. I've seen some of them. Tell me I one. Refuse, Tell me I one. refuse to watch Superman versus Batman versus Iron Man versus Wonder. I mean, come on, man! <laughs> Jumping the shark. <laughs> that sounds like a good one. <laughs> Fuck, man! Like Wonder I don't Woman? know. I've seen a bunch of these with other people that love them, and like, like just watch it with me or whatever. I've seen some of these movies, man. You know what Dan needs all okay, I, I saw the last Superman movie. Okay, and just to compare that to Superman two, because I did as a kid love the Christopher Reeve Superman movies because I was a kid. The fight scene in Superman two, where Christopher Reeve is fighting off Zod and yeah. the lady and the guy that can't talk—I don't remember his name, Non or whatever—their uh, fight scene in nineteen eighty. Is one thousand percent better than the one That's in Man of Steel or whatever it was called because it's all CGI and looks fucking fake. Mm -hmm. It looks like a video game. It looks like I'm watching Sonic the Hedgehog on early Sega Genesis games in 1991. I just get, uh, I think it looks fake. It's it's awful. The get Dan are better than these. We could get Dan into a movie if it was a hard RNC-17 with some sex in there, you know? No, that's Maybe what some... I was going to say. Dan yeah. <laughs> would prefer to see a movie where Wonder Woman, it becomes a heroin junkie because she's being <laughs> forced Wonder back. Woman should have hair under her arms and on her legs. Because she's supposed to be a beast woman, right? No, come on. That's she's where Amazon. comic books that she I saw as a kid, she's supposed, to be like an, she's supposed to be an Amazon bitch, right? Didn't she have hair under her arms in some of the comic books? <laughs> Wonder Woman did not have hair in the comic books. That would have been kind of taboo, wouldn't it, back then? Or what kind of comic books were you reading? <laughs> but anyway, I, whatever. Maybe I'm wrong about the comic book movie. I did see that Wonder Woman movie as well, and it was horrible. 
It's fucking dreadful. I'll tell you a movie I saw over the weekend that I did enjoy. It was a horror movie called X. Uh, I heard about that one. It's in my queue, but I, I have to find the right moment because it's about making a porno movie, slasher movie, right? Oh, yeah, they go, they go to this, uh, like this place in Texas because this guy's got a barn and shit, and a, mm -hmm. they have a place to shoot. Of course, he doesn't know that they're shooting porn, but they're wanting to do it on location, and they're renting they're renting this guy's property. Mm -hmm. And as you find out, his wife is very old now and used to be really hot. And still has tremendous libido. And she has a lesbian crush on one of the girls and wants to fuck her, despite being like 88, because the guy can't give her the cock anymore and she really wants to fuck. And when she can't get what she wants, she's willing to kill you. <laughs> so <laughs> the old woman who wants dick or pussy and you will not give it, so you will get your throat cut. <laughs> I liked it. And it's set in 1979. I like I like time pieces like that. Yeah. I do I too. Right, I'll go check that out. I got one. One movie guys. that I saw it was terrible, and I'll shut up because I stepped on you. No, no, that's fine. Please. I watched it because a couple of women that I uh, had talked to wanted to see it over, you know, the last few months, and couple a couple of different people was like, "Oh, this looks so great." I didn't really think so, but I I bought it anyway just so I could have it in case somebody wanted to see it. it was that Sandra Bullock movie? And I do like Sandra Bullock and Brad Pitt's in it. I like Brad Pitt. But it's called The Lost City. That that was really fucking terrible. Oh my gosh, I saw that, that too. Uh, that, uh, Ch Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock. Yeah, did you like yeah. it? Although I didn't. No, it was awful. <laughs> it was. It was really, really awful. <laughs> yeah, it was stupid. Yeah, it was, uh, Harry Potter's in it. Yeah. yeah. Who was in it? Uh, oh, uh, Brad guy. Pitt. Brad Pitt. Brad I Pitt. like Brad Pitt a lot. I love Brad Pitt. He's a great actor. And uh, spoiler alert. He's only in the movie for about 20 minutes. And yeah, that's like, that. Yeah. And it's like when he's gone, it's like, what the fuck am I watching this for? <laughs> At least he showed up in the last scene. I'll give it that made the movie go from a minus five to a one. Um, I got one for you guys. Uh, it was. So before... is, is Sandra Bullock hot? I'm kind of like. Yes, I, she is. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She's not on my top list. You know, I don't know if she's not on my mine top either, list, but, but yeah. uh, well, she's yeah. incredible though. Uh, okay. One of these days I'll share my numbering system for women. Uh, she, she makes you do that. <laughs> she's to be 60, too. right? No. Uh, she's like my age, I think. Right around my age, maybe a year <laughs> older than me. Two I years mean, older. not that off. Uh, I think she she's like 55. Age. Yeah. She looks great for any age in my, my mind, but, um, yeah. We'll talk about uh, Sandra Bullock and my numbering system for hotness on women. My favorite Sandra Bullock is there's this movie. She actually dated the guy at the time. I can't think of his name. Uh, I, he comes across as like a nerd. But there was this film called Love Potion Number 9 where they it's basically like a Bill Cosby, like, give you this, spike spike your shit one and make you want to fuck. Oh, no. Yeah, it's, it's very libido- <laughs> But yeah, Sandra Bullock is is in it. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name. Like I said, she dated him for a really long time, the male in that. But okay. she looks so good in that film. It's circa '92. Mm -hmm. So the she just uh, looks so great. Jessica Walter and Donna Mills were play Misty for me. There you go, Jessica Walter. That's who I was thinking of. Uh, and Donna Mills is the woman that calls in, I believe. But mm -hmm. uh, either way, uh, good movie. I'd like to see that again. Haven't seen it in a long time either, but yeah, I looked that up for you. Got that uh, one up. I got. I have two monitors, as someone said in the chat room. Oh, look at you! Just got 
yeah, whenever I'm looking up here, I'm looking at the other monitor. I got Bears stuff. I got, you know, Very scores cool. of games, movie stuff. Um, I got one for you that was uh, the number one uh, uh, TV show on Netflix until a stranger. Th- uh, what's it called? A stranger. Stranger Things. Thing yeah. Stranger until things. until that came out last weekend or this past weekend and supplanted it at number one. The Lincoln Lawyer. Did you guys see the movie with Matthew McConaughey uh, that was released maybe 10 years ago? It's based on a, a, a Michael Is that Sandra Bullock, Bullock, though, too? No. Uh, the movie with McConaughey, I forgot who the actress was who played it, but it's a really good movie. Um, and now the TV series, now there's a TV series based on book number two. And my wife and I thoroughly enjoyed it thoroughly enjoyed it it is let me tell you the premise real quick a he's called the lincoln lawyer because he's a lawyer that works out of the back of his lincoln cadillac he's got a driver and he just likes to concentrate on his cases as he's on the road moving forward and he can think better about his cases well he's coming off a year of not practicing law because he had an opioid addiction due to something that happened to him in, uh, in the recent past. And so he's trying to get his life together. Well, an attorney dies, and in his will, he leaves behind his entire business to uh, the Lincoln lawyer. And so he accepts the the business and all the cases associated with it, with it including a very high-profile case of an attorney excuse me, of a, uh, a video game developer whose wife has been murdered and the video game developer is being accused of her murder. So he's got to tr- uh, try to solve that case, despite the fact that the video guy, game guy is saying, you know, the trial was set for next week and I want to go through with that date. I don't want to give you time to prepare. I need to get my name cleared because there's a big sale of my company going on and I got to be clear to this, blah, 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 blah. So this the Lincoln lawyer is under so much stress to try to figure out what the hell is, is going on in this case. How, I need to get this case guy off because my name will be sullied if I lose my first major case on the way back. And then along the way, it's a 10 episode uh, series. Along the way, there's other little cases that he inherited from the attorney that died and left the business that he has to attend to and solve. One of the reasons my wife and I loved the show was because it really does display artful, for lack of a better way of putting it, uh, lawyering. Uh, there are sequences where he talks about jury selection, where he talks about the 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 importance of an opening statement, of having a brief opening statement as opposed to a long one. There's the importance of the closing statement, the importance of picking up body signals from witnesses and so forth. So it's almost like you're learning about being a defense attorney as you're going through the drama. The one complaint I have about it is that it did feel a little law and order-ish at certain points. Uh, but overall, if you if you like uh, TV shows about uh, crime and, and uh, courtroom cases and so forth, I highly recommend The Lincoln Lawyer. On John TV. Grisham, too? Or? Uh, Michael Connolly wrote the books. Okay. And so now it's up to Netflix on whether they're going to bring the this, this show back. I'm told that it was... Uh, such a low budget show. There are no big major stars in it. I think the only big star on it is uh, Nev Campbell. Uh, 
uh, from the Scream series and uh, a couple of other good movies. She plays an attorney on this movie. She's the only recognizable uh, star in the film. The the lead role is actually played by a guy who uh, was a uh, popular actor in Mexico. He speaks perfect English. Uh, and my wife, of course, fell in love with him. Oh, he's so sexy and stuff. I want to see episode two, three, four, five, sixty nine. And I'm like, okay, honey, <laughs> cool it. <laughs> but it's a it's a good show if you if you like those types of movies. Michael Connolly wrote the books, and he wrote six of them uh, based on the Lincoln Lawyer. So uh, Netflix wow. would have material for four more seasons if if they because the movie with McConaughey was based on book one. This this uh, season of uh, uh, the first season of the series is based on book two, and there's four other ones. Uh, uh, Nomad, so yeah, I think he's not impressed. He doesn't like anything though. Nomad, he, come he on. just likes the bears. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good enough for me. The, the the Rainmaker kind of reminds me. Of, did you ever see the Rainmaker with the love Matt that Damon? movie? That's a yes. good learning to be a lawyer type movie with a great story. Francis I think Ford that was Coppola, Ford Coppola. Yeah. Yes, that's an excellent. That's one of those movies that anytime it's on and I'm channel surfing, I yeah. stop and watch again. It's really good. Uh, you ever seen it again? I have not. Oh, you got to see that one, Dan. That's yeah. really good. What was his name? Rudy something, the, the Matt Damon's character. Uh, I'm not. Had, had Mickey, Mickey Rourke and Mickey uh, Danny DeVito. <laughs> Yes, Danny DeVito like or uh, or Matt Damon. Why? Uh, why? <laughs> I mean, the, the, you don't like Andrew McCarthy, and I liked him. Okay. <laughs> well, Andrew McCarthy. It's up to people's perception. Andrew you know? McCarthy I, I was really the same character every time. A doe-eyed uh, beta male, right? <laughs> yeah. Andrew McCarthy. It's always like, oh, yeah, this is second here. I want to know why Dan doesn't like uh, Matt, Matt Damon. Damon. Yeah, oh, the, the Departed was off. He was excellent. Oh my in the gosh, was awesome. Yeah, yes. I, I like the Departed, but I like, uh, you know, Jack Nicholson and Mark Wahlberg and DiCaprio, though. So sure, that was great. I mean, uh, what's this? Martin Sheen was in that. That cast was freaking awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you know, for the Departed, I, I can overlook Matt Damon being in it. I just, I don't know. Yeah, I don't like Matt Damon. Matt Damon was excellent in Elysium. Did you ever see Elysium? That one I have not seen. No, it's the, uh, God, what's the name? Neil Blomkamp. He did District 9. It was his follow-up, I think, to District 9. Or, you know, uh, he's really good in that one. If you oh, seen yes. That. Yeah, he's a great director, that guy. Matt um, Damon. It's like takes place in the future. Matt Damon gets locked into this, like, radioactive, like, chamber accidentally. And he's, like, got a few, like, days to live. <laughs> like, the, the company doesn't give a shit. Oh, you were, uh, you know, accidents happen. Get the fuck out of here. You know, and then he he has to get to Elysium, which is where all the rich people live, including Jodie Foster, who's up there too. She's like the president of the rotating rich planet, or mm -hmm. and uh, he ends up like going to be a true people. detective now. That's right. She's in yeah. season four of True Detective. Yeah, I love True Detective, man. I, I think all all the seasons were damn good, man. All three of them. They all I had agree. Different, yeah. Two was the my least favorite, but I love two. One, three, four. Two, and two. wasn't bad. Yeah, it was okay. It was okay. I'm not a big fan of uh, what's his name, the, Vince Vaughn. I was I was emotionally invested in his death. I thought it was so well done. How he's in all these people that mocked him when he was young, and his dad, mm -hmm. like I never fucking loved you, and all these people that like were in the early in his life that were mocking him, and then he sees the woman and he thinks he's made it, but she's like, no, you can rest now, and he's like, there's no time to rest, and she's like, but baby, you stopped walking a mile ago. 
Mm. He looks back and realizes he's bled out and he dies. Oh man, that was so fucking perfect. Yeah. I didn't yeah, want him to die, but what a great fucking movie or a great series, man. And Colin Farrell's death too. Like his dad, he dreamt it earlier in the season, how he was going to die. And his dream, his dad told him he was going to get shot to death. And then he did. Mm-hmm. It's it so fucking good. Season, season two was kind of like, uh, I forget the, the name of the guy who's like the brainchild behind True Detective, Nicholas something. I can't remember his name, but uh, yeah, he's not involved in the new one. Though. Yeah, he's oh, like, is he not? Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. In, in season two, it was kind of like uh, he he had like this kind of like sub story with like a, a Japanese director. It was like making fun of the first season's director, Carrie Joe Fujikawa, or whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. You know, and he like wrote that into the thing. It's like because he didn't get along with that dude or whatever. You know, it was like the uh, behind the scenes story of uh, you know he wrote that character in there as kind of like a joke. But I don't think it went over that well, you know, because the other guy went on to do some pretty good stuff, you know, directorially. Mick Palazzoli. Yeah, something like that. Mick, Mick Palazzolo. Yeah. Uh, interesting. And Aldo, I, oh, go ahead. My bad. No, no. I was just going to say he's an interesting guy. What were you, you going to say, Dan? Before I, I ran out of time, I got to tell you again, I'm selling this again. The fucking show on stars, Gaslit. Yeah, you know what? I, Watergate, I, I went man. to watch it then, and I, I, I realized I'm not subscribed to Stars, so I gotta. What? You want to use my login info? No, 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 no. Um, you can I, use just download the app and use my login info. It was no big deal. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I talked to my wife. We're gonna order it because there's a bunch bunch of things on Apple and Stars that we want to yeah. see. So we're gonna go ahead and. Order you don't it. have Apple TV. So good. I don't have Apple TV. And I just bought a new iPhone, and it comes with three months of free Apple TV. But it used to be a I year. Need a new fucking cable box in order to to download the okay. uh, Apple TV app. So yeah, well, um, you don't have like a Roku or or Fire Stick or I don't, and I've been told I need to get it. So um, Roku maybe. has a nice box. It's like you can uh, uh, what is it? Four uh, K Ultra. You know, it's only like a hundred bucks too for the Roku Ultra. You know, it'll 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 spit out you know full 4K HD you know, Dolby surround and right into your smart TV and your sound system. I need to get that because yeah. I if I were to tell you how much we pay for cable for Comcast cable here, you guys would tell me you are a fucking idiot. I mean, it is. I doubt that. I pay a lot for Directv, so I'd be like, yo, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> how much Apple. do you pay? Uh. During Sunday ticket times, yeah, two oh, two fifty a month. I'm right uh-huh. up about two oh five or so without Sunday ticket. Yeah, I got you beat only because uh, we have a lot of TVs here, like in my uh, stepdaughter's old room and the office and so forth. We've got like about four or five boxes, and so we're paying uh, about three hundred and thirty dollars a month, which is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, you can cut some costs. You know, I don't uh, Apple does Apple is it Amazon or Apple who's got Sunday ticket next year? I think it's Amazon now, right? Is it Amazon, Danny? Yeah, they have Thursday night football, but that's independent of Sunday ticket. DirecTV still has it in 2022. Okay. In 2023, it's allegedly going to be Apple TV for the digital portion. They've not said uh, if DirecTV will be able to maintain the over-the-air kind of presentation for bars and for people in smaller states mm-hmm. that don't have great internet. Mm-hmm. Or for somebody like me that doesn't want to watch uh, on my phone, four plays behind. I'd rather be live watching it on my fucking television. Yeah, and I'm with you. as live as you could possibly be. And I don't want to watch it on my phone. I don't know why millennials just want to watch TV on their phone. 
That's yeah. why I'm with you, Dan, on that. So inexpensive now. My wife and I are thinking about going in on a 70 going in on. Uh, we, we would <laughs> buy a, a 70 inch TV because yeah. they're like well, 600 bucks now. Yeah. So uh, we may have a new TV by the time you get here. Uh, you can get the 70 inch Roku TV by TCL. I've got a 50 inch TCL Roku. You know, it has the Roku box built already into the TV, so you can just just grab the apps. There's a whole bunch of other channels too, man. It's like watching some weird stuff recently. The channel called Shutter. Oh, I've heard of that. It's I heard it's cool. Good. Some cool movies and stuff on there. But you got to watch. It has commercials, but so I've got it on. Uh, I thought I had it on Directv. Mm-hmm. That was Chiller that I had. Was Chiller? Yeah, Shutter is something yeah. you pay a small fee for. Yeah, uh, I've dust. seen it. You can get it as a standalone. Hey, before before yeah. I go, last thing I want to say about because uh, I don't want to spoil it for you, Gaslit, and then we left out a big thing here. Uh, we should have said early on, but Gaslit. I just want to stress that the actor who plays John Dean mm-hmm. is fucking incredible, and that whoever the actor is playing uh, G. Gordon Liddy is also doing a great job. But to me, John Dean, the guy that's playing Dean, carries the series even over. Julia Roberts and Sean Penn. Really? I don't know who he is. Wow, pretty I good cast. I'm going to have to check that out. He's so good. He's so fucking good. And I love the girl that plays his wife, too. Uh, she's incredible. But the one of the things that we should have said early on uh, is that uh, we now have tickets for a second Bears game. That is right, Barflies. Uh, oh, wow. I will be attending that final regular season game. Minnesota Vikings at the Chicago Bears. Uh, we got some nice seats. Dan's flying in for a day or two. Phone watchers, phone watchers will be blind in 30 years. You're right, Cliff. Yeah. People watch TV on their phone are crazy. I don't get it. I don't fucking get I mean, it. That, to me, that's a last resort. You know, you're like on a plane or something, you know. For me, well, it's Dan, like I Dan got no, watches a lot of know? stuff on his phone, right, Dan? No. I thought you did when you were at work. You would watch movies. No, no. Uh, it, I have it going to the work TV. Mm. I use the AirPlay and put it on the work TV. God bless you. Uh, years ago, my, my wife bought me uh, a little portable uh, DVD player. And back then, you know, when something new comes out, a nice new device, it costs uh, $800, $1,500. It's super expensive. I used it like two or three times because the screen was like only about, you know, four or five inches. And and that's no way to watch a movie. I, I you know, yeah. that's what I used to do when I was a kid. Now give me fucking 60 inches of 4K. <laughs> that's what I want. Um, by the well, way, real quick before we sure. get back onto that topic, Barry on HBO. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Go ahead, Dan. I haven't seen that yet. Uh, I, I guess I would be open to watching it. I just wanted to give the background on, on that Bears game with Minnesota because yes. I was at, I was at work. Like today, I'm going to be working from midnight until 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. Then back at 7:30 p.m. tomorrow night. So, and on shifts like that, at some point you're trying to stay awake. You're kind of just on your phone doing shit just to keep you occupied. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those situations like last week, and I was just, you know, looking at bears tickets just because just not without any intention of buying any and i was like all of them especially the green bay game really high as you can imagine but i went to that last the last game just out of boredom you know and the minnesota game was so cheap i was like man there's tickets there for 68 Mm dollars which in 2022 is extremely cheap and um so i looked at the flights and 
hell, it was an economy flight, but hell, I was like, I can fly to Chicago and back uh, that weekend for like two hundred and forty dollars. So I was like, well, fuck, I should do, I should do this game. So I hit you up on it. Yeah. And I was like, would you be open to it? Because again, I, my selling point was to say the Bears could be fighting for a playoff spot. Think about it. <laughs> Might be one of those games they flex to. 3.30 Central, or maybe Sunday Night Football, mm-hmm. or maybe it'll be a meaningless 4-13 and 13 game. I don't know. But What's the what's the date on that? January the 8th. Okay. I've been to a Bears game. I've been to a Bears game in January. I almost died. It was so fucking cold. <laughs> I know. So, so <laughs> Dan says, you know, there's these seats for, what was it that you just said, Dan? They were, what, 70 bucks or something like that? Yeah, there were some for seventy or sixty-eight dollars before fees now because they're going to put the fees on right. it. Right, they're nosebleed seats, right? And so I'm thinking, fucking January, January eighth, way if I'm going to be up there with icicles co- coming out of my my nose. So I, I went, I went online. I said, fuck it, man. I want the two hundred level where you can get into the Cadillac Premier Club uh, thing. So that way, if Dan and I are fucking freezing, we'll go inside and you know watch a little from the tube, warm up a little bit. And, and go back out, and so I got these. Fuck, this is the view from our seats, right in the. Yeah, he, and he spent an incredible amount of money, which I'm incredibly um, pre- appreciative of. Oh man, but that this is the way to do yeah. it, man. On a fucking yeah. cold day, absolute fucking lutely. So we're gonna have a great time. We're gonna uh, get there early, enjoy the Cadillac Premier Club. Have some uh, some of the good food that they serve there. Go out and watch the game. Dan says he he, he no matter what the temperature is, he's going to be wearing shorts. I usually have no problems. I've got man hair on my legs. My legs don't get cold. It's usually my hands or my ears that get cold. So I probably will wear a toboggan and gloves. But beyond that, I should be okay. I mean, again, if it's like fucking minus two degrees, then obviously I'll wear jeans or something. Uh, but if it's pack some jeans, <laughs> I mean, if it's like 28 degrees or something, I'll be fine. Like with my legs for real. I mean, if I stayed out all night or something, I could, you know, it would hurt me, but for three hours, I'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm just excited about, cause the potential of that game right now, it looks like, you know, bears predictions to be so bad. It could be just the end of a, a, a forgettable <laughs> season and, all of that, but like I was telling Aldo, I was like, maybe this will be Kirk Cousins' final game as a Viking yes. after the Bears beat them and make the playoffs, and and they have to cut. Uh, they just give up on Kirk Cousins. It's the, this regime didn't sign him. That kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So maybe it, it gets flipped for us, and maybe this is good for us because we're always up there in January. Now they're finally coming here in the cold. Tell you what, Nomad says that if you you gonna wear shorts uh, on a zero degree day, is your dick is gonna fall off. <laughs> and well, I agree in that you. regard, maybe I should cover up. <laughs> uh, we got Dan, another. Dan will, Dan will be at that game in a Bears cod piece, Aldo. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Protect the jewels, man. Whatever you do. Um, yeah, I, I you know the more and more I thought about it, Dan, the more and more I thought this game could really be interesting even if they're not in the playoff hunt because it's always that final game that gives you a little bit of a promise as to what the team could look like in the following year so let's say that the bears go into the into the game with a uh seven and nine record um Getting that eighth win would be so important for me. And and seeing Justin Fields perform at a high level against a division rival would be so important to me. So there is significance uh, to that game 
really, no matter what what the win loss record is for the team, it, again, it's that that final game. I want to see everyone adhering to Coach Eberflus's hit philosophy that they're hustling, that they're playing with the same enthusiasm that they appear to be in the OTAs and stuff going to be a very important game and so uh, seeing it live and we're thinking about maybe getting a hotel room downtown so that as soon as the game is over we rush to the hotel room and do a, a, a live show so uh more details on that and of course what's the other game we're going to then the other one's the dolphin game uh november 6th right and so we're setting up a uh, meet and greet for uh dan and tooch hopefully we'll be in town as well and uh, uh we'll give you plenty of notice well, don't cut yourself short here they might want to meet you Fuck, nobody wants to meet me. No, no, no. Uh, our friend from last year was a big fan of yours. King Pookie. He's a exactly. great guy. Yeah, that was fun. He was you know, really, really happy to meet you. So He's a good guy. Um, let's see. Uh, what else, uh, Dan, you got on your mind in your last five minutes before you got to go save lives? Well, like I said, I'm just really excited about that. I hope to see Walter's statue this time. Yes. I got to see George Hallis's statue uh, last year, but I, we didn't get it. We weren't on the right side of the stadium to see Walter. So I hope to see that in one of the two visits that we're at. Yeah, we'll definitely, definitely, definitely see the Peyton Trophy. I'm, I'm embarrassed that after that game uh, against the Lions last week, I couldn't find our way back to the car. I, couldn't, I didn't know what the Peyton tro- uh, statue was. And, and so I'm leading uh, Dan and his uh, dates around the stadium, making them walk and tracing back our steps because i got fucking lost so uh I'll, that I'll was be, fine I'll man it was it was a great we had just won hell i was uh, fuck i was so happy that, that we'd won you could have said we're gonna walk aimlessly now for three hours get ready i would have been fine <laughs> but she didn't i didn't care way. i was i was happy <laughs> I, I i hope i said this before but i guess i ask you as a question now does the united center have jordan era stuff the United Center have Jordan era stuff. You mean yeah, like- out like I know he's got a statue there, right? Yeah. But do they have things commemorating like the finals and stuff? And, uh, you know, in the stadium inside the United Center, yes. So we will. Yeah, I want to see all of that. Oh yeah, you'll see all the NBA final trophies. You'll see some uh, some cool stuff. Absolutely. And yeah, I really am looking show. forward to that. Yeah, me too. That's gonna be a blast. I forgot about that. We, yeah, I definitely want to uh, have my phone ready to record some of that shit, man. Yes, yes, yes. I, if you want, I'll wear an Isaiah Thomas jersey while I'm. Talking. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. I have a Smashing Pumpkin shirt on, but uh, yeah, I do. I really am looking forward to seeing the Jordan stuff, man. That to me, like I said, that's the building he built, man. Not, not to be redundant, but that's the arena he fucking built. So it's like it's sacred grounds, you know. I've got a homework assignment for you, Tooch, and for everyone following the show. Watch the 30 for 30 on the tuck rule. They did a really good, uh, outstanding, I think it's the last one that came out, an outstanding 30 for 30 on the tuck rule. They talked with Tom Brady at length. They also had on um, uh, Woodson, Charles Woodson. And it was a fumble. And and exact. I mean, the yeah, the yeah. dialogue between these guys, the way they structured this documentary is, it's basically Brady and Woodson are watching the game over again, and you, so you're listening to their thoughts on the game. And when it gets to that play, I mean, I I thought that Woodson was going to bitch slap Brady a couple of times, but it it besides the great storytelling that they did on that uh, game. The other interesting thing, 
interesting thing to watch for is that Brady does a really good job of sort of being the co-host. And so for this big contract, that TV contract that he has, if they're going to use him like ESPN uses Peyton Manning, where he's delivering content outside of the play-by-play stuff, if they're utilizing him for documentaries like that, then I can see it, it, it perhaps being of of value because Brady, I, it, when he was at New England, he was he was never a very interesting guy. Now that he has left New England, has been with Tampa Bay. He he's shit talking on social media. He's much more uh, 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 charismatic, uh, for lack of a better word. So it, it could be interesting. Please, guys, watch this, and then we'll talk about it on next week's show. All right, I look forward to that, and I, I that game. That was so like I was so mad. That's the same day the Bears lost to the Eagles. Yeah, it's January nineteenth of oh two. Well, I forget that. That is so true. The Bears lost to the Eagles at four thirty Eastern that days when it, the game kicked three thirty Central, and the night game was Oakland at New England. And obviously, I was going for the Bears, and then I was going for the Raiders. And uh, yeah, I that was a horrible day, and I was still really heavily invested in the Rockets. And the Rockets lost in New Jersey that night, too, on the road. So it's like, fuck, it was just a shitty fucking day. Oh, my god! And that's the same day Jordan came back to Chicago as a member of the Wizards. That I remember. And that was heartbreaking. Seeing Michael Jordan wearing another NBA jersey other than the Chicago Bulls, that was just heartbreaking. Really. What a day in sports, though. Yeah, absolutely. See, fucking Dan, he needs to do his own 30 for 30s. Uh, all right then get on out of here save some lives man last thing i'll say for you as i go i I told you this in text Uh, i I was sitting at the the house last night knowing i was about to work 20 hours tonight so i wanted to take advantage of the time i had and i don't know i always enjoy watching old super bowl so i watched super bowl 11 last night and I was looking up some of the old players, and I did not realize that Daryl LaMonica had died, yeah, the Mad Bomber. Mad Bomber. He died earlier this year at age 80. I don't know how I missed that, even though he didn't play with the Raiders at that point. Right. Uh, but, yeah, the most indelible moment, even on the uh, the highlights mm-hmm. of Super Bowl XI that, uh, that Steve Sable cut, just to see a guy that was so good, you know, Chuck Foreman there as a Viking, losing his third Super Bowl in four years. And he's on the sidelines crying. Mm. Like, it just shows you there's so many college fans, especially here, because we don't have a pro team that'll tell you shit like, ah, the pros, they don't care about anything but money. There's no passion. There's no heart, like at West Virginia University or whatever. Like, get the fuck out of here. But uh, just to see a guy on the sidelines crying just because it's so hurtful, he lost another Super Bowl. Like, to me, that really resonated with me. Like, I felt so badly for him, even if it was January of 77. And one more thing. Uh, they were showing the the new Dodge Ram that was about to come out that year, or had just come out, mm-hmm. and you could have purchased that for less than four thousand dollars. <laughs> I think times have changed. Yes, they have. You, you can't <laughs> fill up your fucking Dodge Ram full of gas for under four thousand dollars. <laughs> How true <laughs> is that? Um, all right, man. Uh, get on out of here, and we'll we'll talk to you next week. Uh, that's Dan Aguirre, ladies and gentlemen. Dan, uh, bye, uh, Danny. Let, let people know your Twitter account. Uh, it's Bears fan. Uh, wait a minute. <laughs> it's Bears fan. Damn, there's an underscore too. Yeah. God, I've only had it 13 years or something. Let me look at it. It at, is Bears fan. 
underscore, underscore Dan. Dan. There you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Follow Dan because he he doesn't tweet much, but when he does, it uh, is beautifully written. Do you do you sometimes stare at your Twitter account and and decide how to compose your your tweet? No, usually I end up going too quickly and just like, ah, I shouldn't have said that. Well, you can't edit it now. <laughs> Fuck it, it's gone. <laughs> well, uh, if if what's his name ends up buying this, uh, Elon Musk, he wants to put an edit button in. So uh, that, I'll give him that. That's good. That is great. Trust me. <laughs> Last thing I should say before I go, okay. and I really do need to go, but. Uh, retro movies and TV reached out to me last week, and maybe you all can hit on this as I leave. Yeah, good but guy. I told him I said, uh, you know, I'll I'll let them th them know. Being you two, mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to read this verbatim and get out of here. Dan, I just uh, wanted you to know that personally, I like you a lot. Let me get this out immediately. I was 100% behind what you said at the beginning of the latest show. Honestly, I don't remember what that was at this point. Aldo, I felt crossed some lines, and Tooch took Tooch took it like a victim on the last show. Possibly wrong terms, but that's how I feel. It's just my opinion. I'm not judging. Aldo and I are so similar in some aspects. I'm a hot-tempered guy. I can totally relate to his frustration. He wasn't wrong in his beliefs, but how he went after Tooch I thought was wrong. And he, Aldo's defense, right. he did apologize. No, come on. There's nothing to forgive, Aldo. No, no, well, no. I, I, I was Stop wrong. yourself. No. Well, I, no. I told Fuck you, Tooch! <laughs> I told this guy I would tell you all this, though, but to finish it out, he understands that he is fallible and would uh, would like to be better. I'm in the same boat. I have far often said things in anger or frustration that I shouldn't have. Not an excuse, but acknowledgement of my limitations. I was so relieved that you, Aldo, and Tooch could resume the show. Otherwise, uh, you couldn't have. Uh, anyway, I give you all my blessings. So I said, look, uh, I, I nice will guy. tell him. I was also relieved. And I've had my moments that were bad too. Aldo's a great guy. So, but I told him I would tell you all on air. So I, I promised him, and there it is. Fuck you! <laughs> I let all this stuff go. You know, I can't hold on to stuff like that. There's nothing to forgive. Yeah, it's just uh, Aldo, Aldo and I are like brothers. We are. I mean, and that's you know? how I talk to my brother. <laughs> <laughs> Dan and I are like brothers. I, I, I'll. I, I, I'll I'll text Dan some weird shit, just forgetting all about what we said previously. You know, like a, the chest hair, car, the chest hair sweater. Oh, damn. Right. <laughs> well, guys, I got to go. I'll see you all later. I promised that gentleman retro movies and TV. I'd tell you, so I did. Ah, uh, there he is. He's just in the you chat. I'm here. Guess it's ironic time. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's great that you're here, Retro. Thank you very much. And thank you, Dan Aguirre. Follow right, Dan uh, on Twitter at BearsFan underscore Dan. He is a great follow. And we got I want to get Dan on Cameo because Dan's great voice. I mean, imagine, you know, you, you hire him for 10 bucks, five bucks, whatever on Cameo, and he could spit out some incredible stuff, you know, happy anniversary to Chicago yeah. Bears fan. No bad, you know, he, he could do some incredible stuff yeah. and uh, with some proper marketing, we can get some Dan some extra money so that way he can uh, 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 be able to afford some long pants before he comes to Chicago. <laughs> the idea of wearing shorts that ain't gonna happen, <laughs> that ain't gonna happen, you know. I, there, uh, there's all you know, big big guys, you know, don't they stay warm in cold weather. I see a lot of big guys. That's true. Wearing shorts. My son wears shorts in the winter. He's a big guy. Really? You know, just uh, I'm like, I'll, how the hell, dude? I, I can't. I, you know, I'll wear them in the winter to go out and get the mail, and then yeah, run back. that's <laughs> it. Yeah, run back. 
<laughs> run back in. Yeah, I was uh, in the uh, chat room. A couple things was like people are like saying uh, Matt Nagy gone is like maybe a game or two or three. You yeah, know? yeah. And I, uh, a lot of people are like Matt Nagy is an is an ass hat, and I'm like, <laughs> I gotta correct that. Although he's an ass visor. <laughs> That's right. For, for, <laughs> noted, well noted. I might use that. So uh, if there's no attribution in, in future tweets, uh, let everybody know that that is a uh, uh, John Santucci uh, uh, genius thought. I was uh, watching the Norm McDonald special. Oh, the great Norm Macdonald. Uh, it's it's good. It's a bit bittersweet, you know, because uh, it's posthumous. And uh, if you're a Norm Macdonald fan, you know, as uh, I know Dan Aguirre, we didn't get to talk about this. Maybe next week, you know, because he's a big Norm Macdonald fan as well, you know. And uh, I got to tell you, I, I couldn't get through it all in one sitting because it really it's just him. It's just him rambling a lot, you know, talking uh, mm -hmm. uh, just basically just thoughts coming out of his head, you know, no. Not a lot of uh, uh, organization to it, but it's still pretty good. I mean, it's like you're, you're sitting around rapping with this guy or he's doing most of all the talking. Mm -hmm. He is doing all the talking. But if you were just sitting around talking with uh, having a conversation with Norm McDonald, that's what the special is like, you know. But uh, he's one of those guys I would have loved to have sat down and, and have a, a yeah. talk. With. So I'll definitely look for that. Have you seen yep. the new Ricky Gervais uh, comedy special that's getting all the controversy? About I haven't. Trans Not yet. There was so much stuff, although, you know, know. The, man, the man who fell to earth came back. Mm -hmm. So I immediately watched that. I, I liked the episode. That episode well. too, was the best one so far. I think um, so. Yeah. I knew that I knew that lady was his imagination. That was and I can't remember the actress's name, but I've seen her before. Do you know uh, what her yeah. name is? Is it? Uh, uh, yeah, I do know her freaking name. She's in a ton of movies. Yes. Uh in fact, she, I think she was in the Harry Potter movies as well. I can't remember her name, but she's excellent in it. You know, yeah, she really is. That entire cast is really good. Yeah, and great cast. Uh, smart science fiction. Those yep. of you who don't know, it's on Showtime. The man who fell to Earth. Please pronounce the lead actor's name. Chuetel Ejiofor. Yeah, a outstanding actor. Everything he's ever been in has been good, and it's yeah. great to see him have a starring role uh, on a uh, ten-part series. Did, did you feel his? Okay, he was like he was losing his shit. Yes, he you know? was. He was like, I can't solve this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, and we hadn't seen that from him at all. Yeah, throughout the show, he's been kind of like you know with his straightforward purpose. You know, this time it's like maybe I'm not supposed to. You know, he he was full out panic mode. Yeah, know? he was, and so that was a great episode. Yeah, it's nice when when you get these series and and the characters go through uh, changes and and you see more depth uh, to their characters. It's one of the reasons I like the Lincoln Lawyer. Besides all the legal stuff that you you learn in legal strategy, the characters all go through through uh, their own arcs, character arcs that are very fascinating and interesting. Right. Uh, you mentioned <laughs> Stranger Things, mm -hmm. which I I freaking my wife and I would just. That was all we watched for like two, three nights, you know, we just binge through it because mm -hmm. it's so good, man. I, I, if you if you grew up in the 80s like I did, it's like right here. You know, I mean, for me, at least it's like the, going back in time. There's all these nods to 80s, you know, pop culture, whether it's music, whether it's the the, the set design, whether it's the movies of the time. And all you know, the, the language or just stuff that was going on at the time. It's, it's really great. And then uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi 
dropped the first two episodes. That freaking killer. I'll tell you, they got a little kid that playing Princess Leia as like a eight-year-old, and she's fucking she's like a little miniature Carrie Fisher. Her really? like face. Uh, it's, it's it's wild, man. The perfect casting for this little kid. She does like the Carrie Fisher kind of like uh, 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 looks, you know, facial expressions and, and mannerisms and speech. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's really quite good, man. It's got. I've been great thinking casting. about seeing that. I, you know, I I haven't mm-hmm. really kept up with the Star Wars films after the Jar Jar yeah. Binks fiasco. It's in between, you know, the uh, Obi Wan Kenobi has gone into hiding, and he's keeping an eye on Luke Skywalker, who's about eight years old. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, Kumail Nanjani is in it too, the mm-hmm. comedian. He's yeah. really freaking funny in this. It's great. Okay. It's like, uh, you know, uh, and then, you know, they have, uh, uh, you know, s- some other good cast members too. And uh, the mm-hmm. story is really good. Is he like, you know, he's protecting, uh, uh, goes on a mission to save uh, Princess Leia who's been abducted, you know, ab- abducted by f- the basis from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Flee. Is that right? Yeah. He's the bad guy in the first couple episodes. Oh, wow. Yeah. And does it it's look like a, they spent money on the production values? Oh man, they go all out for these little uh these little mini series that they do, they spend a shit ton of money. You know, they're really good. The Boba Fett one was awesome. The Mandalorian is top budget, great casts. Uh it's really great, man. The Disney puts a lot of uh a lot of stuff behind. I think Ewan McGregor's a producer in this too, and he's uh oh, you know the nice. star of it as well. It's great. And then uh yeah. uh yeah, that's that's about. It. I was gonna say uh, if we if we were to get back to bears, I know Jordan's in the chat room. Bear, the, the story broke about uh, the commanders uh, telling teams that Duran Payne might be available for trade. Mm-hmm. So and should the bears pursue him because uh, you know he'd probably fit that. Uh, I know I know he's probably we could ask Jordan. He's probably you know not exactly a three technique, but he did have a lot of pressures, four and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. He was in the top uh, eighteen, I think, in quarterback pressures from uh, from the interior of the defensive line. And if uh, the Commanders were to let him walk, uh, they'd probably get like a fourth round pick compensatory. So would a third round draft pick maybe get the deal done, or uh, uh, a third and maybe a sixth, you know, or fifth, you know, maybe yeah. get the deal done for Duran Payne. That might. Uh, there he's 25 is. years old. Uh, he's, yep. come, he's entering the fifth and final year of his rookie contract. Yep. So a trade for him would also mean that the Bears would have to work with his agent to sign a multi-year contract. You don't want to you know, trade draft assets for a guy who's going to uh, play one season and leave. So it, it could get a little complicated. We would, but. Poles did open up the purse strings for Agunjobi. You know, maybe Payne is is the guy that could uh, step in. Uh, Jordan says, yeah, Payne is awesome, but not going to likely be cheap, and this team isn't a piece away. Yeah, you're right. At 25 years old, though, he could be a piece for quite a long time, though. You know, that's my thing, but still, it's going to cost you draft picks and cash, you know, in a new contract. I get what you're saying. But you're you're right. I mean, if if you can – well, I don't think you can. I'll ask you and, and Jordan and anyone else in the chat. Could you f- sign a pain for the types of type of dollars that you saw, you signed Ogan Joby before the deal fell through? What was Probably that deal not. for Ogan Joby? Fifty million? Yeah, I think Payne yeah. might demand more. more it's going to be more like seventy million, but yeah, yeah, you know, maybe five uh, years, seventy million, seventy-five million. You know. Uh, it would be a testament to how important that three tech 
position is if they were to to trade draft assets and invest tens of millions of dollars in pain. It is a, a great topic. We should explore that more. Yeah, um, and then you know, the, I wanted to chime in on the whole Jalen Johnson running with the second yes, stringers. Please. I'm like, Kendall Vilder is not the guy, folks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, this is just it's it's purely punitive. Yeah, wouldn't you say? I mean, Jalen Johnson's going to be the starter. You know, yeah. nothing to worry about. I know. agree. I think they were rewarding uh, Kendall for being there. Uh, and uh, Jalen didn't arrive the very first day, so yeah, I, there's nothing. No, there's there's no way that Jalen Johnson is going to start in this, as a second stringer at this the season. Uh, start the season as a second stringer. There's just no fucking way. Um, but they he does have some catching up to do, and so that's a way to get him to you know to uh, commit more to the team. And I listened to Jalen Johnson's press conference that he held a week or two ago. He sounds totally. Uh, invested i think any issues that i was concerned about like for instance that last play uh that that play in game 17 where he didn't tackle the ball carrier who was down i think that was an abnormality uh he should be fine um i do think that the coaches are taking the right approach let's not give anybody a pass uh everybody's got to work for it that's the way to, to coach this team. I love what Eberflus is doing in terms of taking that CEO role with the team yeah. and overseeing the whole thing. So, so refreshing. Uh, I'm with you, uh, Tooch. I'm with you on that. And, and you know, uh, there were two guys who kind of needed that breath of fresh air that Eberflus is bringing in the secondary, but, you know, besides J.L. Johnson and Eddie Jackson is another guy that needs that breath of fresh air. Let's see what happens with him. Uh, and then I wanted to talk about the Akeem Hicks signing with the uh, Buccaneers, and uh, he, six of his ten years in the league were with the uh, with with the Bears, mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. uh, he, he he had 31 sacks, 88 quarterback hits, 51 tackles for loss in 77 games over six seasons. So played mm -hmm. about 12, 12 played about 13 games a season, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, it definitely uh, uh, 31 sacks checks in as 19th most. In franchise history wow yeah you know in that uh clip that i used for uh the akeem hicks highlight video at the end he talked about what it meant from uh when he heard from the veterans like uh, dan hampton about how good he was and he said you know those are the guys who are important to me because they played the game. They know what it takes and so forth. And he listed uh, Hampton, one other player. Uh, and then after a few seconds, he interrupted a question and he added Richard Dent's name. He, he said Richard Dent also paid him compliments. And so, yeah, when I, when those superstar bears uh, tell you, yeah, you're playing really, really good, that's kind of feels so special, man. It's got to feel special. Oh, yeah. Hey, I, uh, any other bear stuff that you got? Because I wanted to ask you about the NBA finals and where I should put my money. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Uh, well, uh, this is going to be an interesting uh, uh, NBA finals. And in fact, yeah. uh, man, the NHL conference finals started tonight. And uh, I had the over, over seven for the, uh, for the hockey game. With the oh, Oilers, okay. Edmonton Oilers. Versus the Colorado Avalanche, it was a football score, although eight to six. Really, uh, man! If, if I would have taken like over ten goals, I probably would have gotten like plus four hundred on that bet. But you wow. know, I was like seven, man. That seven's a lot of goals, but you know, it's the Avalanche and the Oilers. It was you know Nathan McKinnon and Connor McDavid, man. That's fucking, 
you know, scorers, dude. But uh, uh, took the I took the over. I, I've been in a funk, man. It's like baseball is the toughest uh, to me. Baseball is the toughest, man. I just lose my ass on baseball. So I like took a I took a I took a timeout, you know, uh, from uh, from baseball just to focus on NHL, which I've been doing pretty good at this year and NBA, uh, and then. Uh, uh, the NBA finals with the Warriors. This, you have a team that's done it, been there, done that. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of veterans who have playoff experience and finals experience. And then you got the Boston Celtics, and they have uh, uh, no playoff experience on the team. You know, so uh, uh, the, both teams, man, uh, the Boston Celtics are the number one defense in the NBA. So you're going to have, and then Warriors are very, they're, they're the number one. Uh, Offense for offensive efficiency. Mm-hmm. You know, there's guys who can score from anywhere. You know, you, you bottle up Stephen Curry. You know, there's uh, there's other guys to shoot the rock. And uh, it's going to be interesting. Now, uh, uh, during the uh, the playoffs, Golden State's undefeated at home. So, I mean, game ones, I usually, like I said last time, I usually like to lay off game one. But I think I might take a stab on the, uh, on the Warriors at minus three and a half. Mm-hmm. Just uh, maybe buy the half a point and get it to minus three. I like that. And uh, uh, play that first play. And then, I, you know, it's the game two. I can see the Celtics, you know, coming to make – they usually make the adjustment after a game, mm-hmm. you know, where they'll play some tough defense and figure out something. And then, you know, the other team will adjust. Maybe Golden State will, will – uh, but Golden State has not been that great on the road. You know, they had some problems with uh, the Grizzlies. That's what I yeah. learned today, yeah. So, uh, but uh, – as far as uh, winning the whole series, I, I have no idea. I'll pro- I like I've been I've been making more money bet- betting on the props. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, Marcus Smart over three and a half rebounds. They kept setting that. Vegas kept setting it over three and a half rebounds. He kept hitting it every time, man. I mean, I, I don't know. I must have hit it four times in a row on that yeah. one. You know, just you know. <laughs> so that Jalen Brown over six rebounds. That was a good one. He kept mm-hmm. hitting that. And Twenty plus points for Brown, or you know. Uh, I've been I've been making more money on the props for uh, for uh, NBA. There's a good website if anybody's interested. It's called Sports Chat Place, mm-hmm. and they have a, they have a betting tools app. You can kind of use the drop downs to figure out you know how how often this prop. Oh, uh, that's cool. Hits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sports Chat Place and uh, mm-hmm. uh, the betting tools are pretty good for uh, for props. You know, you can uh, set it to rebounds or points or you know, combos or assists or whatever, and see, you could set it last five games, last 10 games, you know, all the playoffs, all regular season, and just kind of like get a picture of, you know, what the, what the playoffs, and then it'll give you the odds too. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty good website. That's why I've been, you know, and I'm not trying, I'm not trying to parlay a bunch of picks, you know, just one, one straight wagering is, is it's, it's hard because everybody loves to parlay. That's like buying a lottery ticket. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you see guys like went, you know, they'll post their, post their ticket on Twitter. Like somebody, you know, picked the exact score of the last game. Mm-hmm. Put, uh, put like, uh, I forget how I put 16 bucks down. It paid like 4,200 picking the exact score of the mm-hmm. uh, last Celtics and heat game. So, but uh, <laughs> you know, that rarely happens folks. Just, <laughs> you know, that's like, you, you, you you get a scratch off and you win a thousand bucks. How often does that happen? You know, it's the same yeah. thing. But uh, yeah, I, I think I like Golden State in Game One. You know, they've been there, they've done that. Uh, they're undefeated at home. Boston's going to fly across the country, mm-hmm. you know, and then uh, uh, you know try and take on an experienced 
Golden State Warriors team that, you know, could shoot the lights out, you know. But, uh, you know, they'll play, they play some good defense, Boston. Um, I think uh, it'll be interesting. And then, you know, you've got hockey, you've got the Avalanche and the Oilers, and then tomorrow night will be the Lightning yeah. and uh, the Rangers who upset the Hurricanes on their home ice last night. You know, oh, uh, that. I, I faded myself in that game last night. I was like, boy, the Hurricanes are undefeated at home, but, man, they're – the Ranger, I, I, I want to take the Hurricanes so badly, and I said, "No, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take the Rangers at plus 120," and they won. So it was yeah, and they, and they won easily, right? They won. They won. Yeah. yeah, they won by two, I think, and uh, uh, they'll be they'll be come, they'll be going into the Tampa Bay Lightning, who you know they're the they're the defending champions, and you know Vasilevsky and goal for the Lightning is pretty tough. Uh, I think. Uh, I like the lightning in that series, especially with home ice. They're just really – they're playing so good. They shut out the Panthers. They they swept the Florida Panthers, who are a good scoring team, and they shut out the Panthers in the last game. So I'm, I like the lightning to win that series. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's plus money anymore for that one. But uh, uh, the Avalanche and Oilers, that's going to be a great series. You know, I think, uh, Avalanche won tonight's game 8-6, and uh, – uh, both both teams don't really have good goalies, so I mean, I I, I like the I like, I like the Lightning again this year. And Vasilevsky is really good, man. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they play they play defense and they could score the Lightning, so they're not world champs for a reason. So yeah, hard down hockey talk uh, tomorrow at two o'clock. You'll get uh, the Parisi and Frank uh, yeah. and Vinny. my guys. Yeah, your guys. The Hanover Park Little League boys. There you go. Uh, they'll have a good take on uh, on the Stanley Cup Finals and and conference championships. Hey, I want to get yeah. this question in before we say uh, good night. Yep. Uh, Bear Truth Nine wants to know who would you pick, Singletary or Erlacher? Why don't you answer that one first, and I'll let my brain work on it because that's a tough question. It's a tough question, I man. I think I they. I mean, Erlacher was a guy that could like cover the deep middle, man. He'd drop back in the coverage, made it so hard for quarterbacks to throw, you know, because he was so he was long, you know, it's like six five, you know, mm-hmm. long arms, and he was so fast. Yep. Uh, I probably, uh, uh, yeah, you can't. I mean, Singletary's heart, you know, is just huge. Yep. You know, and he's so smart. But uh, I think I would take Erlacher just because of the physical. Erlacher was a smart player too, man. Yeah, they, I I think Erlacher in today's uh, style sure. of play because he had the pass cover skills. He was a better sideline to sideline player than Singletary. Now, if you're going to play against Jerome Bettis, I don't want Erlacher anywhere near Jerome Bettis. I want my Singletary. If you're going to yep. play a, a a a team that can run the ball well, then you want Singletary yep. in there. And uh, what was the name two- of that guy? Uh- the Packers running back. I said, I got to get faster so I can run away from 54. <laughs> I forgot the guy's name, the running back on the, uh, it was before, uh, before Aaron Jones. That's yeah, a good so one, man. His name, man. I bet you fucking Dan would know that immediately. I think, I think he was the Seahawks before he was on the Packers. Uh, yeah. Oh, what was his name, man? Um, yeah. Somebody help us out here in the uh, yeah. chat because that is a good one. That's a good trivia question. Yeah. Red Truth Nine goes on to say Singletary had that uh, Ray Lewis in him, and he did. You know, yeah. Singletary was a warrior. Um, he's a little undersized, uh, yeah. but he was very, very smart. This guy would put in forty hours a week in in film study, and so that allowed him to play very fast because he knew what the offense was doing, the opposing offense was doing, and. He was just a, 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 a fantastic player, but you know I think the real 
answer to the question kind of lies in what you have around you. You know, if again, if you've got other linebackers on the team who can who can take care of the sideline, the sideline stuff, and you can just have single uh, uh patrolling in between the tackles, then maybe that's the way to go. But Erlacher, you know, for the modern day game, Ur- Erlacher was better. But Erlacher, you know, running backs would go straight at Erlacher, and that was his. Dude's his, name was Aman Green. That's him. Outstanding pass catcher. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I got to believe that during the course of his time with Brett Favre, he probably caught 40% of Brett Favre's passes. Uh, he yeah. was a fantastic outlet. That's fast, too. Yep. Uh, Jordan says that Greg Gabriel will tell you Erlacher was the price that was the piece that truly unlocked the scheme. I I, I think Greg will be right if he said that. I, I absolutely do. Yeah, he also um, like you know he also loved Lance Briggs too though he talks about Briggs all the time. Yeah, you know that was playing the will. Yeah. Has somebody? He's, that's somebody he holds very dear yeah. to himself in terms of what he did for the Chicago Bears organization. Yeah. All right, Dan. Let us, uh, Dan. Uh, to, to let people know where they can uh, reach you on the uh, s- uh, social media channels and yep. stuff like that. How come your name is not popping up? Oh, I know why. I got to get rid of that. Boom. Okay, yeah. that is. Yeah, at John Santucci VIP, and I'll kind of take a little break from giving out free picks because man, I was on a little bit of a cold streak, so I was just like, look, it's base. This is a terrible time. It really you know, is. Pr- pretty soon, I mean, there'll be no hockey, there'll be no basketball. It's really just baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you got soccer. To me, those are the two hardest. Right for for sports wagering, baseball. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like last night, I was like, okay, I had a bet on the Dodgers, and uh, yeah, Walker Bueller going for the Dodgers against the Pirates, who suck. You know, one of the worst teams in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Dodgers, arguably one of, the, if not the Dodgers' best pitcher. You know, perennial Cy Young candidate, uh, Walker Bueller going again, and I'm like, okay, I'll take the, I'll take the. Uh, uh, Dodgers, you know, minus one and a half on the run line. And the Pirates won outright. He got hammered. He gave up four runs in like the first two innings. They never, they, they, they mounted a comeback, but Craig Kimbrell, who was on the Cubs and the Sox, gave it up in the last inning. So uh, ended up losing. That's, so, I mean, that's the thing about betting and today. Yeah. MLB is uh, pitching has changed so much. You, you don't have starters going past the fifth, sixth inning. Right. And, years ago you could you would bet primarily on the pitchers that's the first thing you would look at what are the matchups and you, you're factoring in that they would probably go seven eight nine innings and you don't you no longer have that so you're betting on bullpens and that's really hard to bet on because you don't know who the manager is going to use it just takes so much work yeah. to bet on uh, major league baseball I, i'm with it you is. they do you know i mean the thing is it's like they like Vegas is, has to offer all you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is, man. I, like I'll tell, I, I'll I'll wake up at like three in the morning and start capping games for the, my weekend pass. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, look, dude, it's like you know, I uh, I'm taking a break because I mean I can give people a lot more, a lot more for their money. You know, when football and college basketball start up, college football, college basketball, and NFL. Like right now, I I, I can't, you know, I I can't. Baseball it doesn't matter what you do. It's just it can a, a bad teams can eat beat. The good teams, you know, it's hard. The, the, so hard. Prop bets, like you said earlier, prop bets on baseball, I, I feel even more confident on. Like, for yeah, instance, so do I. I'll look at, you know, 
the where the wind's blowing out. If the wind's blowing yeah. out uh, at Wrigley Field, then I'm I'm going to take a, a, a risk that somebody's going to hit uh, one out for the for the Cubs. I'll, I'll pick up a ball player and bet a few bucks on that. Or if the team yeah. if they've got the team uh, uh, choice, you know. Yeah, the team total like runs. That. That's a good bet. Yeah, you know, like if you pick over, you know, team to score over a few runs. Like tonight, I I really looked hard at the Mets over five and a half, and I should have just jumped on it because. I love to fade Patrick Corbin on the on the Nationals. He's just terrible. You know, it was a gas can, and I didn't pull the trigger. I'm just like, eh, I'm kind of taking a break, you know. But man, that would have been the great bet because ten nothing Mets. You know, Mets are red hot. I don't know why I didn't do it. Uh, and then uh, uh, the props, the hits. If you over, all you have to do is look at you know. Uh, usually the bet is over or under one hit. Mm-hmm. You know, a player mm-hmm. to get a hit. You know, you go two hits more, you get more better i mean higher odds but uh just to get a hit then you can look on if you go to mlb.com you'll just they'll show the matchup against the starting pitcher mm-hmm. you know it doesn't always work but it'll hit and like like i said sports chat place has all those matchups as well how often this player hits against so-and-so pitcher so you can you can kind of uh, uh get a feel for that and then shots on goal for uh, nhl or you know points it's usually over a half a point so if they get an assist or a goal you know, you kind of, I mean, guys like Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon tonight, they'll lighten it up. Tonight would have been a great night to take over one and a half, you know, points tonight, mm-hmm. you know, because you're yeah. getting plus plus odds on that. But, uh, you know, I don't know who foresaw an eight six game in hockey tonight, you know, because <laughs> no people bad. are like seven goals. Boy, that's really a lot of goals. What's well, six no and bad. a half? What is Vegas trying to tell me? You know, but I, you know, the number was going up and up and up. You play the over, you know, you get to, Bear Truth Nine has a closing question for us. Who was the better safety duel? Is there a better safety duel for the Bears other than uh, Mike Brown and Tony Parrish? I will say Man. Gary Fensick and Doug Plank. Yeah, um, without a doubt. Hard to beat that. Yeah, they were they were outstanding. And Another guy I, that studied film all the time, Fensick. Mm-hmm. Very, very. He was at the uh, Howard's Hall uh, recently. I don't think he got a chance to talk to the Bears like. Uh, uh, Tillman did, which uh, that video yep. is available over at the Chicago Bears website and on their YouTube channel. A great little speech by Tillman getting the players psyched up, getting those young players psyched up for playing NFL football. I think uh, Fensick would be a, another guy who, who could uh, share some words of wisdom yeah, to yeah. players. You know, uh, long time, Fensick rumored for a long time to be uh, a candidate for you know a Bears executive, where it was general manager or whatnot, never got the chance. I almost thought he would have made a good uh, NFL executive, whether it was for the Bears or another team. Smart mm-hmm. guy, you know, uh, but I mean, I don't, I don't know what did, what did he do after the Bears? He was, I know he did some like commentary or announcing, uh, whether it's preseason games or, uh, but man, I almost thought he would have made a good GM. I, I agree with you. I, uh, I think he's in finance now, making uh, lots of money. Whatever Gary Fensick is doing now, he's, he's, he's very successful at it. All right, Tooch, let people know where they can follow you on yep. that social media stuff. Yeah, uh, at John Santucci VIP. I'll probably get back into it, I think, maybe with tomorrow night's game, have a free play. Uh, I'm thinking about just kind of just giving out the free plays now as so we'll wind down here. And uh, But, boy, I tell you, once college basketball uh, comes around, that's where I make, make most of my money because I really do study college basketball a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that's where I, I usually make some good money good money on college basketball and NFL's tough, you know, and uh, we'll, we should talk about uh, over under wins. Maybe uh, Jordan Silvera would like to 
talk about that too. But you know, there's some good. Uh, I'm I'm looking at a few of these matchups, you know, of, of teams over under wins for the season, as far as from a gambling like the the uh, the Chargers over. I like that. The Raiders might be better this year too. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, uh, might take a Chiefs under. I don't even know if how how good the Chiefs will be this year. You know, I think they'll take a step back without Tyreek Hill. I mean, they'll still be good and stuff, but. And they built up their defense and stuff, but <laughs> don't get on that. Well, you know, I'm not, I my thing is, is like anybody subscribing to my picks, man, I care about. I don't want to lose, man. And people are people are, uh, you know, buying my card. I'm gonna make sure that you know I give them my best picks. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people on Twitter. I don't I mean it's hard. You know, people don't people will will buy picks and be like, you didn't win every pick. You know, it's like, come on, dude, who does? Nobody does. Like mm-hmm. the best, the best, the best gamblers in the world lose forty three percent of the time. You know, nobody's winning all the uh, over the over every single bet more than fifty seven percent. It's just nobody. Maybe one guy out there. You know. Well, I and, and that's what Lawrence has told me for the years I've yeah. been associated with him here at the barroom. You know, it's it's tough, and and he's the one that yeah. told me about baseball being almost a fool's bet nowadays. Yeah, it is so hard. Yeah. Every year, every year it's hard. I, I lose my ass in baseball. That's why I shut it down for a little bit here. But you know, <laughs> you uh, I'll probably as soon as like hockey and basketball, or I'll probably turn the app off or uh, archive the app for a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. DraftKings. But I mean, DraftKings makes it so tempting. They give you these bonuses. Here's a one game, hundred percent profit boost. You know, it doesn't have to be a parlay. Just you know, yeah, to lure you back. You know, like, okay, you know, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go my bet, and I'll I'll like put a bet down and win that, and then you get right sucked right back into it. You gotta be careful to shut it down, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, no, never wager more than you can afford to lose. Yeah. All righty, Tooch, you yeah. super sensational as always. Uh, make sure you follow Tooch at John Santucci VIP. Follow Dan at Bears Fan underscore Dan. Uh, follow the Barroom Network. If you do follow the Barroom Network, I will always post on that Twitter feed when we are going live, what we're going live. You can see some of those shows on the Twitter feed, or you can subscribe here at the YouTube channel. And if you have a Google account, you subscribe here at the YouTube channel, and you will get alerts every time there is a live show. And tomorrow we've got three live ones at uh, 2 o'clock, Bardon Hockey Talk at 7 p.m., it's the Mac and Reed show. Those guys would be talking uh, all Chicago sports and some rap music, some pop culture stuff. And then at the 9 p.m., it's science fiction. We're talking some more Marvel stuff. I don't believe Dan Aguirre is going to be on that show. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, you are awesome. And by the way, Jordan uh, and I are talking about him uh, doing a special where he's going to break down some tape for us. So uh, watch for that pretty soon. Uh, Jordan and I have got a meeting to discuss that, and uh, and uh, Nomad is also working on some stuff for the barroom. So wow, nice, pretty exciting stuff happening here at uh, the barroom network. And so for all of us at the network, thank you all for watching, and we will see you here either tomorrow or maybe next week. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls. Make sure you subscribe to the Barroom Network and you give us a rating on iTunes. Until next week, my name is Nomke. Bear down. <laughs>